Hello and welcome to episode 345 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and with us this week is a returning Brad Martin. This week is all about the Premier League Hall of Fame. The likes of Thierry Henry, Alan Shearer, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard and so on were a guarantee to make the cut. What we're interested in is the guys that are several rungs below. Today we're going to be making the case, or not, for Robin Van Persie, Gareth Barry, Branislav Ivanovic, Nicholas Anelka and Michael Carrick. How are we doing today? Excellent, ready to get stuck in. All good, looking forward to it. So next week we're going to be doing our kind of mid-summer transfer roundup. We've got Connor back coming back on. I've spoken today that the, the turnout for the books it could be if we're just chatting about the Liverpool spending just dragging us all down did you see the meme today of quite that? enjoy having you and Connor on that pod the, the, the sweating with the like two red buttons and it's Liverpool fans and it's like want to complain about the owners also want us to keep spending <laughs> no fan base can relate to that I'm sure I, I want us to stop and we've not really started yet <laughs> and then uh, well we'll start today with a bit of news of the week Brad Mason Mount has completed his United medicals today if I told you at the start of the summer that was going to be United's first sign-in, how would you be feeling about it? Um, I'm not really sure what to make of Mason. Like he had a really productive couple of seasons, didn't he? And then I don't know if it was a, like a bit of an overplaying, playing too much. Um, where I think he played like 70 games in two seasons or something along those lines. Um, and then after that, the last season he's obviously struggled a little bit. Um, he's, there's obviously a player in there, but. Yeah, just getting the best out of him. Hopefully, hopefully we can. But don't know. I don't know if I'd be a bit surprised if you told me, as you said at the start of the summer, that it was going to be our first signer. I think a lot of us are going to have to choose to believe that we just abandoned basically the last couple of Chelsea seasons when taking into account what we're buying. At least we're. I'm having to anyway. Yeah, I thought you might be. I'm not, I'm not sure why. <laughs> well, I mean, that's 125 million between us for Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. I mean, if think if you told us that at the start of the summer, I'd have assumed Mount was probably 80-ish mm. of that. Yeah, that remains to be seen. We've got to trust uh, Arteta at this stage. United are in that. We've got to trust Ten Hag stage. I would say Arteta's given me more reason to trust his transfer purchases so far than Tanner Hark has but then Mount's probably giving you more reason to have faith in him than Havertz has I'd say with Mount there's only so wrong it can go it's just whether he can be very good whereas Havertz if he carries on as he's at Chelsea Arsenal that's a flop but then- and you're going to go hang on we had a we had a whole club <laughs> where we had a warning about what would have happened and we still ignored it but are they not going to see the benefit, benefit yeah. of playing him in midfield again rather than where he's used to yeah. playing rather than being the, <laughs> That's the, assumption. the go-to guy that he's going to be the goal scorer yeah if they start trying to play him as the nine then uh, they're in a bit of trouble could be struggling Chelsea but you're tall like it's like that should work. Honestly, the conversations I had to listen to of you and Jack talking about that on it. Well, I think you described him as well. It's not a false nine. Look at him. He's he's a striker. What? I was like, yeah, but you can be that size, but also a streak of piss. Yeah, <laughs> there was his BMI is probably about nine. So if he's not winning headers and being strong in the air, to confirm, I said that a while back, not before not he last signed week. for. Oh, so yeah. well, it was. I think his first. I got the of, point you were making. Like thirty percent of his goals have been headed goals. Yeah, but there's the not a lot of goals, are there? <laughs> no, that is that is the issue. Um, but is that it's, not late arriving and well, heading it rather than being in the box having to compete with second rounds at a marking it? Yeah, well, how, many, his, how many has he won? Yeah. His, his numbers probably add up better as a centre back than they do 
as a centre forward in terms of like winning his aerial duels, winning his headers, all these kind of things. So I'm, I've exaggerated slightly there. So I'm choosing to believe there was like two goals last season, and this is really a wild theory to base it on, where Xhaka would peel off on the left-hand side and he scored two headers like that. And I'm basically saying Havertz in that position, receiving the ball, hopefully is better than Xhaka receiving the ball in that position. But you know, look, 25 million uh, deal secured today for Xhaka. So we'll get that processed. You we take need that to, to the we bank. We need to look into that, don't we? Yeah, if you've got a, a, yeah. link, a link to uh, Leverkusen in there somewhere. Chelsea got their Saudi club. You've got so, a random German club. I'm, I'm hesitant to one talk about this too much and I mean, spoke about it quite a bit last week, so maybe that doesn't add up too much. I don't want to jinx it now at the final stage, but it looks like we're trying to spend 105 million on someone, and it appears we went to Leverkusen and was like, "You've got to, you got to understand where we're coming from here. We may have had a deal, <laughs> we can still have a deal, but not that deal." What was the original deal? Like 12, 15? It, yeah, I think it was um, like 13 million pounds, I think, and now. Due so to now, the, now it's twenty, and you're you're using that currency. I think it's twenty one, twenty one point six to twenty five. But um, well, but if it's a rounded number, then you go with that. Same as like we take hundred million for Darwin because it sounds better. <laughs> Eighty eight point whatever doesn't sound quite as good. Hundred yeah, million I mean, for Anthony as well. If you want to go on that, yeah, <laughs> I think the fact that it's like factually incorrect with the Darwin one doesn't help either. Because I think he was like eighty four if it all goes in. And look, I'm no well, there's a, currency converter, but it doesn't equal 100 million I'm euros certain they, But it sounds great. I'm it almost certain great. they were saying that it was 100 million euros if everything came in. Now, you have to be very successful for that to pay off. Yes. But doesn't look like there's much risk a, of him. Uh, you <laughs> a Ballon d'Or clause in there, because apparently that's really successful. Yeah. <laughs> I saw people laughing that essentially the main thing that has prevented teams from going big for Zahar was this big sell-on clause that United had, which meant the Palace were asking for more money. And because of what United were asking for, he's now going free and United get none of that sell-on clause like that they've been waiting for. Yeah, it was something nuts, yeah. Cut each other's legs off. Yeah. Which they must have been, their eyes must have been widening when we were going to get him for Pepe. But, I mean, as I've heard a lot for the last couple of months, teams don't want it over too many instalments, which was uh, the thing for Palace as well, so... Nicholas Pepe's on the market. I feel like I've got to do my duty there and let everyone know that. Just, we've got to spread the word out as far as possible. <laughs> um, TK, maybe butchering this, um, Dominic Sabozali, Sabozali, I think it is actually, is completed a move to Liverpool, 70 million. Early thoughts Euros. before we uh, pick things apart. Well, we gave Euros for... Uh, 60 million pounds, Luke. That's a nice round figure for you. We gave Did Euros, you like that? We gave Euros for Xhaka as well to Germany. This is coming from Germany. Okay, all right. Same club. Huh? No, not same club. Leipzig and Leverkusen. Get into what you are going to say. You nearly had it. We're back, aren't we? We're just so back. It's just... It's our year, boys. I don't want to get carried away, but I think we could achieve the greatness of coming second to Man City again. I think that's good, good beyond the board. Well, you're going to have to work for it. So I, I think we can have a really good tussle for that second spot. And yeah, it, it's a, everything I've seen of him, he obviously looks a player, but also at this stage, I don't know what problem of ours he fixes. He kind of gives us some the, more problems, good problems, but kind of gives us some does more Does he solve problems. the Salah being 31, not being able to play every game? problem potentially but we haven't really seen that 
Yeah, no, we haven't seen his slowdown. It but might are prepare. They, are they expecting that slowdown? Might prepare for it, mightn't it? We've got to assume he's being bought to play in the midfield, and so we've both bought players that haven't been playing in the midfield to play, to midfield. play in yeah. midfield. That's it. His how much he played last year off the right that people say, and you would obviously just question what that then means for Salah. If then Salah moves inside, what would that mean for Darwin or Gakpo? And obviously, what does it mean for Trent if he is going to be occupying a lot more of the right? Where's he? I guess what's Trent going to do next year is a good question, just generally, isn't it? But having said that, if we were going to sign this guy, my only real problem with it is probably more the the order in which you sign players, isn't it? And I kind of looked at someone like Alavia, someone in that midfield where it's just you watched us last year, we're too easy to play through. You'd probably be expecting us to prioritise that sort of midfielder and people like McAllister or um, I can't say this guy's name. Sister <laughs> Bosler. Yeah. Um, you would probably expect them to be the priority afterwards, but his release clause obviously was up. So we had to act then. McAllister, we had to jump on when we did. So it sounds whilst like the club is being linked with other midfielders, I'm, I'm chilled. I think that's uh, all good. It sounds like you left it a bit late, but tried to talk them down. Seems and like we even- tried to hope they panicked didn't we well even Chelsea have done it where they've said we'll give you slightly more but we'll get more favourable payment terms and it looks like they just had no appetite for that and when they know they're going to get 100 million plus through for Guardiola any day soon yeah why would you why would you negotiate yeah exactly I think to do with the order the midfielder after McAllister that you were most uh, widely linked with was um, Turam and Kone yeah, and so it may just be an availability issue. So they've just gone out of the under twenty ones Euros. So if that is who you're interested in, then it might pick up now. It usually goes one of two ways: you rush it now before he goes on holiday, or this drags out and he's now going to be on holiday for a couple of weeks, and then you get it in. So always incredible the lack of urgency on that, isn't it? <laughs> we just it get is. it done. Where's Lavia from? Is he in the under twenty ones? So he he's. He's Belgian, he's Belgian, but he's off at the moment, as far as I'm aware. Because then with Tiram and the thing with Tiram and Kone, isn't Ratcliffe the owner of the club they play for? Isn't he the owner of Nice? So this is one of the things that I saw. There's like Liverpool, uh, Ratcliffe selling his two best centre midfielders to Liverpool, and he tried. To They're not both at the same club. Only one of them. Oh, which, is it? Which, so which it might be. Nice might be the other one's um, uh, uh, Munich Munich Labber, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. For one of them, that is going to be true. <laughs> Part of it may be in, look, things move so quickly in a week other than the Declan Rice deal mm. that we may get in next week and you may have some luck. But you were linked with Spozzoli and then a day later you'd signed him. Now, And we were in and out of that, weren't they? So it was like, no, no, they don't. They think that price is too much. And then they go, oh no, they think this price is a steal. So it's hard well, to get Kind of a, like a with um, the Lucas Paqueta deal really dragged last year. And as I say, Edu literally came out. It's like, we're not interested in we all thought he was going to go to Newcastle hmm. and then all of a sudden he, he ends up at West Ham and again, both Madison and Spotsalai, everyone assumed one of them was going to Newcastle. In fact, Sean took great pleasure in retweeting a Newcastle fan saying, we let them get the worst player in Madison because we're going to go and get the better one from Leipzig and then <laughs> you get him as well. So obviously you haven't only just picked up an interest in him but you're obviously doing slightly better in muting the leaks coming out of Liverpool than other teams are so sometimes it's tactical you leak it there you try and get try and flush out your competitions who's interested in who I imagine there would be a thing where 
if you were really desperate to sign Lavia, then you may be waiting to see how we open that conversation. It may be that you've heard internally that we aren't in that conversation. And so you've got more time to get these other ones done first where you can deal with the release clause, all of these things. It'd be an odd one with that one, only in that presumably you wouldn't get him until you shot the party. Yeah. And Chelsea were who were loitering around there, but you'd think they would only do it if the Caicedo one fell through for whatever reason. So if you were in Liverpool shoes, you'd go try and get this done. And we, we're kind of doing that thing. We'd be in link with him and they're saying like 50. You've probably got to accept that you aren't going to be able to go, no, no. 40. It's like, no, they've already turned down a bid in January immediately after. And then... After, after they know they've got yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and then and then they know they've got at least somewhat of an audience for him so I think when you're at forty or fifty million pound you probably just got to accept yeah we probably have to cough it up. I had a horrible dream after just seeing one rumor that Chelsea were just getting all the money from us and they end the summer with um, Enzo Caicedo and Valverde. <laughs> no Caicedo and Valverde doing Enzo's running for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I maintain big, big year for that man because if I see you again, <laughs> big pressure on that man. I know there's a big thing on Twitter, social media, and that that BMI and that scale of measurement is outdated. Just check that man's BMI for me once, <laughs> because if it's anywhere in the range of mine, you shouldn't be playing central midfield for Chelsea. And he's had six months now of being let off for not running. I can't. When you're in the bottom half of the table and I see you not running, I've seen terrible players that are at least willing to run. Yeah. I don't know how he's got away with it for that long. I think everyone's just kind of, well, Chelsea are all terrible. So what does it matter? If they're even slightly better now, all eyes on you. Emmanuel Petit's been the only man to call it out so far. And me. I mean, prestige uh, company. Emmanuel Petit you, doesn't need a second invite to call out players. You've no, got to look at his it. progressive passes, though, Byron. Hey, we'll yeah, get into yeah. that later. When it suits the player I want to say it about. <laughs> yeah. Not when it's yeah. the other. Um, I think we'll talk a bit more about Madison next week with Connor. Gerard was on the Champions League final coverage and he was asked about a potential move to uh, Saudi. He said, look, don't believe everything you see on TV. Today, Gerard has finalised a move to manage in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Do we think he had another few weeks to just see what was about for him? He was linked to the Leeds job, obviously. And then he's gone. He's linked to the Leeds job, saw the money being offered, (laughs) saw the money being offered in Saudi and thought, I know where I'm going. (laughs) I think... So much now, and you, you do see this, that a lot of the rumours we see, sometimes they can just be leaked by the club to a journalist just to gauge the fans' reaction. I think it probably happens more with managers than we would believe. And it'd be worrying if clubs took that completely into account. But if, say, there's a lot of pressure on the board, so say United sack Ten Hag tomorrow, the Glazer decide they're staying in they would have more of an interest in finding out who the fans were going to get on board with than picking someone horrible and then the pressure doubles. So I think it's more likely with managers and the reaction to Gerard was terrible. So, so what you're saying, Leeds put that up? I think it happens more than we would believe it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I and So I, if it didn't completely make their mind, maybe they had a number of options. They see the reaction to Gerard and they say, let's do ourselves a favour here because at the, moment, at the moment everything bad that happens with Leeds has basically been blamed on the like three American players they have. There was a thing on The Athletic where there was a discussion between three journalists and it was like 
How much are the Americans to blame, basically? And online, they were saying that Leeds fans are proper horrible to Americans. Jesse Marsh haunted them. Well, they were, the, there was an American was journalist. Probably one of their best players last year. So <laughs> he, he was ultimately saying the issue with the fans is that so many of them have jumped on board to support the American players. And so they see the fans talking online about what a tough time we have. And then in a week saying, where are we following Brendan Aronson to next then, boys? <laughs> and I think there's a weird thing with Americans in this country, isn't there, where people do get their backs up entirely. Like we saw it, I mean, Todd turned out to be... Every stereotype he turned out. <laughs> yeah, but he, even when he made some interesting points, it was like, this bloody American. Yeah. What's yeah. he coming in here making Yeah, you points? could be like the most knowledgeable soccer guru ever, but as soon as you say soccer and you've got that American voice, yeah. we don't want to hear you. Well, funny you said that. Yesterday, the whole team we played against this Gloucester City on the 19th, they were all um, American academy players. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they were oh, like wow. an academy that came over and they were all... And they got smashed. Yeah. There you go. Get bad. It was uh, six now, not five as well. Just, <laughs> just for the record. My man, Woy, staying for another year. The big yeah. man. He's a Premier League title contender with uh, the form he finished the season in. Mm. We need... Can be top scorers. We know that. <laughs> Free scoring. We need him to stick around long enough and I definitely mean just in the job. Yeah. Let Southgate see out that contract. What's he got? Two years tagged on? Extra year tagged yeah. on. Yeah, Roy, run it back again. <laughs> I'll, I'll Come season. Back bring back McLaren over, over Roy. Jesus, <laughs> that Wally with a brolly. Harry Kane offset pieces, and I think we need to reflect a bit better on uh, that time under Roy. Roy can just throw Gary Neville under the bus. Say it was all him. And last thing here, I can't profess to follow the championship much more than watching the odd game on a Friday night and the playoffs seeing a small portion of people freaking out on Twitter, when we say people are buying the league, usually we're talking about Chelsea. I've seen it about Arsenal. We've seen it about Liverpool. Seeing a freak out for signing Connor Cody and Harry Winks to Leicester <laughs> and other fans freaking out is incredible. So good, isn't it? Because I'm actually more encouraged if I see one of my contenders spend 10 million on Harry Winks. I mean, it's tough for him if he can't do anything in the championship for... Yeah, Conor Cody at six million is a decent signing, though, I think, for a championship mm. side. It's good leadership. It's bad, though, when we all say that and the Wolves and Everton fans are the ones saying, I can't believe we got this much money in for him. That yeah, usually tells you more. isn't it? But then... It's uh, weird that a club lower down play, hasn't had a punt. Is there a plan to play for it at the butt? Which is where he made his name. A bit more time on the ball. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe one, a, a good yeah. bloke in the squad. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just, have, just being a nice bloke has got him another move. Work uh, for Southgate. So. Yeah. That one time I saw someone say, look, if he's that good of a bloke, bring him along as a kit man. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> the, the best thing I've seen. Get him into coaching, surely. Exactly, yeah. The Southgate might still consider him at the next tournament. So, well, he's having a good year in the championship. But, you know, he's not going to play. Just good to have around. Did you see the story uh, Wilshire told about Craig Bellamy on Groves' podcast about his he, introduction? Did you yeah. see this? He oh, said um, he broke through as a 16-year-old and he played, I can't think who it would have been against, um, probably City, Liverpool City. I think he said it was City at the time. So he went out and he asked to swap shirts with Craig Bellamy because he always liked him and he said he was buzzing and he turned backwards and Bellamy was cleaning the mud off his boots with the shirt that he'd just <laughs> taken from a 16-year-old Jack Wilshire. 
<laughs> so horrid, isn't it? Yeah. He took it a lot, and I like lo- that. And it's like, you definitely, you yeah. definitely didn't like that. Especially because apparently Bellamy, uh, true to form, but can't do more games. Suppose he just tell him how shit he was all game. <laughs> this kid, an actual child. Maybe one day we'll have a debate about Craig Bellamy in the uh, Premier League Hall of Fame. Let's get on to our discussion points. So already in the Premier League Hall of Fame. We have Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Dennis Bergkamp, Steven Gerrard, Dennis Beckham, Wayne Rooney, Patrick Vieira, Sergio Aguero, Didier Drogba, Vincent Company, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, Ian Wright, Tony Adams, Petr Cech, Rio Ferdinand. I'm just not going to let you get away with Dennis Beckham <laughs> that you've just said. Yeah, that felt weird as I read it out. <laughs> That's, yeah, that Have you amalgamated Burkamp and Beckham together? No, he said Dennis Burkamp and then yeah. called to Dennis Beckham. Yeah, you, no, because I've got Dennis Beckham written down. You, you made me kind of pull a face as I read that yeah. out, like I went full Anchorman and <laughs> so I just thought, look, maybe you say something sometimes we'll that you know are right and you just question it in your head. And We'll give David his uh, props. David Beckham is in there. <laughs> yeah, because we, I mean, we had a whole podcast basically talking about him last week as, as well, where I said he deserved a bit more respect so look apologies not the no, first you can't time. remember his name yeah, not the first time I've uh, changed from week to week the eligibility criteria now this did stamp out some of our initial ideas when yes. we uh, found this out so the criteria to be selected for the Premier League Hall of Fame 250 Premier League appearances for any club or have appeared in more than 200 Premier League games for one single club you can have been selected to any of the team of the decade or 20-year anniversary teams, which are harder to track down than you would believe. And it's any one of these, not a combination. Won a Premier League Golden Boot or Golden Glove, been voted as Premier League Player of the Season, won three Premier League titles, scored 100 Premier League goals, or goalkeepers who have recorded 100 Premier League clean sheets. Let's start today, mentioned him already, Robin Van Persie. 280 appearances, 144 goals, 53 assists. For clarity, the one we were going to discuss was Luka Modric, but he doesn't fit the criteria to be in the uh, Hall of Fame. So, Not make 200 appearances no. first. No, it's like 70 less as well. Oh, is it? So it has to be strictly in the league yeah, because yeah. they don't count FA Cups because if there's an FA Cup Hall of Fame out there, I'd love to see it because you'd be, be having a great time. <laughs> Ram- <laughs> Rambo's definitely in there. Sure, Kieran yeah. Gibbs at left back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him questioning the Havertz signing, and Arsenal fans like dogging him, like this bloke. How does he think he is? Oh, he's he's seen um, Jose Enriquez trying to get the gig for Liverpool. Maybe if I just go to war for uh, and Arsenal, he switched up at the end of the season, didn't he? Got back on the Newcastle train. Very currently soon, remembered. Didn't? Yeah, yeah. Van Persie, a little history lesson then, joins Arsenal in 2004 and is intended to be Dennis Burkamp's successor. Not a bad uh, thing to be brought in for. Plays out wide previously and Wenger wants to convert him to a centre-forward. And remember, he loved doing this, Wenger. He got gassed off the success with Thierry. Understandable. Later tries it with both Theo and Alexis to a lesser extent. Remember the false nine Alexis shifts that we had briefly? Tried it with Jovino very shortly (laughs) and it wasn't working out wide. Usually he found a good wide man and converted him to a good centre-forward. Because Theo Walcott centre-forward is slightly underrated um, compared to uh, how people describe it as. Henri leaves in 2007. We replace him with Eduardo, largely to be a number two to a very injury-prone Dutchman. 
Um, he scores a club record 35 goals in 2011. He was club captain for the 11-12 season and we all know what happens in 12-13. Uh, was going to wear my RVP shirt, instead switched to um, the man that did a fantastic job replacing him, Marwan Shamak, <laughs> on this shirt. <laughs> oh, God. The only thing that confuses me with this whole Van Persie thing, he's finally played 38 games in a season for you, and then you sell him. So, <laughs> the, so only, few time, issues that the only time that he's played more than 30 we'll, games in a season. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, because, the, I mean, this was a... I don't think they did it willingly. <laughs> this was a real issue for Arsenal fans. Ultimately, he has one year left on his deal um, at ah, the time. okay. So he kind of, he probably forced a move. They had to sell him anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing this statement he put out. Essentially, if, if I start us here with a point for four and we'll just go back and forth and then at the end we'll yeah. decide where we think we stand on this. So when he was playing, one of the most prolific strikers in his spells at Arsenal and United, one of only six players to be the league's top scorer in successive seasons and... The goal, he's, he's got several moments as well. We saw the goal against Charlton earlier, which mm. was really his introduction to most of the league, I think. The celebration tops that off him jumping in the stand to celebrate it. Passes the eye test, I would say, is a good place to start. Yeah, if you just looked at, certainly towards the end of his time at Arsenal and then obviously at United, you'd have just looked at his stats, you'd have thought, oh, he's a goal scorer. But you can't forget that this was like, I would say someone who was a good technical player first and then a go- I thought became a goal scorer. When you look at him, if you look at, you said, started as a winger. I think we even played him as more like a second forward though, if you remember. Yeah. Played him off the front. Really. That used to be a big thing, the 4 4 one Yeah, and I was I was just struck by, remember when he went to United, I thought, it's quite a weird thing where they've bought him strictly because they need basically a front man, a leader, because Rooney now is obviously dropping in deeper more and more. That's why it's interesting that Van Persie's ended up becoming that guy. But obviously, obviously worked out pretty well. Welbeck was that guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Welbeck and Chikorito just weren't quite hitting the spot anymore. Rooney scores 26 goals the year before they bring Van Persie in. I do remember being struck by just how much United were adamant they needed a goal scorer. I'm thinking, you still have Wayne Rooney. It's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was the only option we had though, wasn't it? And hmm. he did have a couple of little niggles, if I remember right. If you can get um, Van Persie for the money you get as well, it's, yeah, it's not bad, is it? If this is a whole a separate conversation... If we're saying there's a conversation for him being the best ever Premier League Dutchman, probably after Dennis Burkamp. Dennis Burkamp, I think, for most people, has that locked down. Who are we saying is top three? Top three Dutchman Premier League history. Because in those spots, you've got to squeeze in Van Persie, if you think he's there, Van der Sar, Van Dijk, Hasselbank, Overmars, Rood, Yapstam. Most ever appearances by a Dutchman in the Premier League, anyone? Most ever, Van der Sar? No. No. Van der Sar? No. Go on. Mario Melchior. <laughs> Holy fuck. Jesus. Jesus. If you Belgium for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to squeeze Dirk Coy into the conversation, then you can put him in there. Not sure if I mentioned uh, over Mars or not. This yeah, fan is not going Van- to war for that man. <laughs> <laughs> Van der Sar, such an like, underrated keeper, I think. He just went really under the... Like, just went completely under the microscope, but never really put a foot wrong for... Well, the fact that he was at Fulham for quite a considerable time is odd. We, <laughs> yeah, we, we said like, how many top teams needed a keeper, and yet he's just there at Fulham, just chilling there. Yeah, we could have had a discussion about him today, but th- this we're intending this to be a feature we can 
pull out moving forward. So we're not going to do too many kind of just chucking him out there. I think was he in be, there? Was he in there? Was he? In I there? think he'd be relatively solid as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. Whereas I think the, you know, just so uh, before anyone listening in starts crying, the entire point of this is you could easily disagree or agree with these guys going in. The whole point is it's supposed yeah. to be borderline. I, right? I said at work today that the league, and I couldn't work out quite how many, they should have announced immediately, say, a class of 50 for the first like two years, first two, three years, at least 25 at a time. And that's how you get here. Because by the time you get to several of these discussions, we're talking like 10 years in the future when you think they're announcing what yeah. like yeah. five a year it, yeah so it was five this year wasn't it it was two managers and three players yeah and so by the time we get to any of the interesting ones they already do a shit job with this anyway we need so, give me some pageantry for this give me pageantry well, give me, <laughs> yeah. give yeah, me yeah, Carragher coming out to talk about what a fantastic player Gerard is give me his best moments the first time you met him like the NBA do give me something more yeah. than them posing in a fancy looking hallway with a trophy. You've got to make more of an event of it. It's terrible. Yeah. And yeah. we they announced it what the first year of COVID. You can get away with it then. Yeah. Moving forward, it's terrible the job they do with it. Give us it at the end of the season. Maybe do like the PFA awards and the same thing. Put it on Sky, BT, whatever. There's so much. Even like the first year, and I can't think of the exact class. Say you put Lampard, Gerard, Omri, someone else around the uh, share around the table. And just let them chat for an hour. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. content is um whenever whatever sport it's in, like very it, much like the overlap. But just get the players that are involved in it. Just yeah, having yeah. a chat with like a host. Yeah. That's all you need. But that those conversations of the experience they've had in the Premier League, loads so many people would tune into that. I don't yeah, know, yeah. like yeah. it's so easy to market as well. It even mm. gives a life to some new players. Like Iman Shumpert is like the best storyteller. I've hmm. heard in sports when you see a TikTok with him breaking down whether it's like Kobe or LeBron or something there's got to be some more than this it can't just be Peter Crouch telling you know did you know I was lanky <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be some more and I mean Carragher Neville is quite good to be fair there's a lot of these and we get so much more out of them and even just the names we're going to talk about today if you put them around the table and they I mean, chatted about their best times maybe short-sighted of them but I'm surprised Sky haven't jumped on something like that I they don't normally need much encouragement to push sort of a Neville Carragher Keane or whatever front and centre they could do something with them just every time there's an entrant they could probably do something with those I gather a lot with um, the football coverage and DAZN was supposed to be more of a have have had more of an impact than it has so a lot (laughs) of the times these big boys don't want to negotiate and so they agree to just not do something and so when it came up and there was due to bid again for the rights they all agreed to just keep the same terms so the zone couldn't get in to the party mm. and bid on it I said it's probably some of it with that even just the negotiating the money they'll have to spend on it they probably just say they, they, they allow the Premier League to do it but the Premier League had an offer for like a Netflix Drive to Survive series and they rejected it so it's not in their interest it seems to push their brand further so. The the thing with the PFA is, well, they're completely separate entities, aren't they? The PFA and yeah. the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So it could almost be something like BT Sport, do just to rival the PFA, which would be like perfect for them, I think. If he wasn't leaving, damn shame he is, we could have just had Jake Humphrey oh. speaking to everybody <laughs> who gets in the Hall of Fame, trying to banter with them and fail miserably. Yeah, Talk about cool. his high performance. So what got you here? I just believed in myself and no one else did. Thank you. That's a unique story. Thank you. That was. Really, you've enlightened me there. 
I said about this on a previous podcast that I take Van Persie over Van Estroy. Well, to come into that, I think that's a good discussion for when you put in the Dutch players. It feels like you go one or the other with that. Where do you where do you stand on that? Do United fans honest. have an affiliation with Van Persie because you only had him what one good season? By the time Van Hal comes in, he just doesn't like him. The big thing was that <laughs> not like Van they were good together at the World Cup, and so without they were the affiliation, perfect. Like the only reason we had that affiliation really with him was the 20th title, wasn't it? Like It was such a big thing. Number 20, number 20 as well. He won us our 20th title. It was like a massive thing at the time. Mm. I think it's probably been quite quickly forgotten about just how good he was in that season for United fans. Yeah. Um, I, I but, actually yeah, think he was I, better I, with I, us the year before. He was. He scored more goals for you yeah. the year before. I think he scored 30 for you and 38 and scored 26, I think it was. First yeah, 26, yeah. Um, in, the, in the season we won the league. Um, but yeah, just some of the goals he scored in that season for us. The one against Villa... Um, obviously to cap off his hat trick um, yeah that's the iconic moment of his career yeah. that's like a Premier League iconic moment unfortunately <laughs> um, well I I still remember him more for the chart and volley get that close than I do for the the goal from the, the Villa goal and I, that's in an Arsenal shit rather than a United shit so. he still feels like an Arsenal player as much as most of us he, he won't tell you that though. he's always yeah, he's forgotten about, about, about it yeah he, he's played it he's played it horribly He's done the Owen. Well, Fabregas realised pretty quickly. Chelsea fans like me because I turned my back on Arsenal. Arsenal fans, the ones that still like him, myself included, a lot of the people I see grew up. He's the first guy we saw come through of our, mm-hmm. or felt like our age coming through. And so he knew where his bread was buttered. Van Persie has just played it about as bad as he, about as bad as he could have. He's been given opportunities to do it. And every time he tries to explain himself, he does it horribly I think I go Burkamp, Van Dyke, and then the third spot I've, I do think is up for discussion I think I give Van Dyke second best Dutchman in Prem history I just wish yeah. he would you want to find an argument here no I, he he's making it difficult um, in recent time the, the irony is he yeah you could play yourself out of it you could do a Roy Jones where you just kind of <laughs> hang on why is, he, why is he still going I'll, I'll go Edwin is third in there just for the uh, consistency he's shown I think it's probably fair and then we'll put Van Persie fourth has Roy Jones not now done it long enough that we actually separate them if it, yeah th- actually the, the, the secret is if you do it go so long that, that you kind of put your career into two parts Between Jan- I actually think if you were putting um, I think Van Persie is a better player I think I'd give Van Nistelrooy the nod though. I think he had more Good years, potentially. That, 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 I think that's fair in more. terms of um, consistency. Um, and I'm going to speak on this about how I don't particularly like longevity awards, but <laughs> he was also very good as well as having a, a few more years at United. Because there's a couple of like records that Van Persie has. Between January and May 2011, he scores in nine consecutive away games, which is a record in the competition. I said he's one of only two players to have scored 25-plus goals for two different clubs. Shearer is the other one. 144 goals, third highest tally of any non-Englishman behind Aguero and Thierry Henry. Then, so, in some of this, I think you look at the other names that are in the Hall of Fame, the other names that are in discussion. He's, for me, undisputedly better than Drogba. I don't think there's anything Drogba does better than Van Persie. A single thing. A single thing? Probably. You don't think he's a bit bigger, stronger, more physical? Holds the ball up a little bit better. Pretty useful. 
I mean, maybe I've watched too much Van Persie the last week. Well, it's not that he's, I'm not saying he's like weak or anything, no, but struggle is a, a beast. Van Persie's very good. I think the difference between them is Van Persie gets on the half turn a lot easier than Drogba does. And Drogba's so good with his back to goal, bringing other people into play, where Van Persie will get on the half turn and play someone through. So he'll always be playing forward into other players. Um, when he played in that just off the striker role, obviously when he played as a centre forward, he was then the guy making that run to be receiving those forward passes. When did it change that we stopped praising strikers for being a bit nasty? That seems to be a thing we don't do so much now. When I was growing up, the story of Dennis Burkamp stamping on someone was seen as a plus point for him as a player. Now, as Van Persie was coming through, the fact that he'd done similar, and he was Dutch as well, was billed as a plus point for him that, you know, don't think that you can push him about, don't think he's this weedy guy. That was seen as a selling point for him. I don't think, when you think now, um, I'll do it myself, the the kind of snide moves like the the Harry Kane backing into someone we saw the outrage when Martinelli did it against uh, Brighton mm. that we take real issue with now and I don't think say Kane could get away with stamping on someone no. and we'd all say we quite like it maybe it's is it because now we've got thing? now we've got VAR if anyone does that now they're just cast as stupid rather than yeah, being tenacious or whatever although saying that did you see the Garnacho challenge for Argentina the other week he's like lost the ball someone's cleared it he's just nailed and they're like oh how tenacious he is and it's like it's just probably a red card really (laughs) and I'm a hypocrite because I text Connor saying what a twat he is after he sent me the clip so ultimately depends on whether you like the thing with that yeah the main thing with that is the personalities as well isn't it I think most players now I don't think you can't is there anyone you go like the villain that we love to hate or anything I think there's just a lot of people we hate does or a it, lot of people that seem like, oh, he seems like a nice enough bloke. It doesn't de- <laughs> Does it depend on whether... We just hate him. There's no love to hate there. Does it depend on whether it feels snide? Like with some of these, yeah, it's so yeah. blatant that it doesn't feel like you're not trying to be caught. Like the ones... Because people say about Shearer, don't they? They say about these vile things that he did on the field. And they were like, look, he's a great... But he wouldn't, he wouldn't take any mess in. And mm. that was a big thing that you kind of build around the strikers of that generation. And I don't know See, when it stopped. I think big dunk as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, maybe that's because it's so blatant because it's big dunk. I think you get it maybe a small bit with Mitrovic. Yeah. I think they kind of praise it, although he puts himself about, he's not scared. So maybe it's just a certain type of player it's got to be. Yeah. I think his peak is better than Aguero's as well. And I don't know if that's a step too far. <sighs> yeah. In, peak Aguero. In, if, I, if I completely kind of set my stall out here, I don't think there's a huge gulf between Suarez's 13-14 season and Van Persie's 11-12 season. So this is the level that I believe Van Persie was playing at. And so I think there's less than a handful of seasons that you can put in that conversation. And so that's where I think when we get to now, Aguero longevity, obviously he has it on several of these guys. I mean, he's got more Premier League goals than Thierry Henry. And so I think when we look back with some of this, we we base it mostly on, on your best day, this is why I'm saying you're a better striker than him. Hmm. The longevity thing is ultimately when you're trying to prove someone wrong rather than when you're trying to kind of prove your own point right, I well, guess. I, the only thing is, is if you can have 
a super, like a superb standard for a long time. Some people can be a very good standard over a long period of time, whereas some people can be outstanding, but for only a couple of years. I guess the pushback with the Aguero one was, was he just consistently outstanding to the point where I can't give you a one season of Aguero because each of them almost blur into one because he was just consistently that good. Whereas basically we can kind of narrow Van Persis down to two unbelievable seasons. Yeah. I'd probably agree with you in terms of I think if Suarez as a singular season is kind of a, kind of a standout in my mind for the Prem, I think this these two for Van Persie are right up there. I mean, I think as a the, the title win with United, I mean, there aren't many title wins I'd say I associate so much with one player. Yeah. And that's dismissive of a lot of good players for United, but kind of feel like he was the guy that got them this title. Let Let's have that conversation then before we go back because I think one of the things and I entirely sure where I stand on this if I was raising a point for the against a big thing when you talk about Kevin Durant if we go in the NBA is the nature of how he won his title hmm. and it was you join the guys that have been dogging you and then you've helped them get over the line I'm not giving you respect for that are you saying that's what Van Persie did by going to United I'm, I'm asking the question as does leaving for a rival have any bearing on how we reflect on your career like it's the Aguero year, the year before, and then they sign him. Hmm. It, I can't think. Like, is the next biggest move like this? I mean, is it Cole to Chelsea? Is it Sol Campbell to Arsenal? But even then, you're not going from. I guess Cole to Chelsea is probably the best comparison I can think of. Does this affect the manner of the title anymore? Because when you said about associating it with him, I think that's the get out of jail free card. I think that he, go, he is the main character in that. Yeah, I think he's been the very clear difference maker for them. The thing against KD was they probably win it without him. Whereas obviously United aren't going to with that. I don't think it's a great United team. So I think he is the difference maker. If he goes to 08 United and picks up a win and you go, he's kind of mixing it with Tevez and Rooney and Berbatov and Ronaldo. Yeah, it wasn't as if United had won the last like two or three before that. No, I think there's a clear decline and Fergie gets out of town, doesn't he? Yeah. He's a league top scorer, as you say. Yeah, so I, I do think... I mean, if you wanted to make it like an ethical thing, you go, binning Arsenal the first time he hits a really good year probably isn't great, but that's not what we're judging, is it? Well, there was there was all the rumours of it happening. Like It didn't come out of nowhere, but sometimes the silence is a good thing and things went quiet for a little while. And I remember being with another Arsenal fan, playing FIFA, and this is... If it wasn't early Twitter days, it was early us having Twitter days where you would be on there regularly. I had it on a BlackBerry maybe. And I remember the notification coming through. Van Persie posted a statement on his own Twitter, basically. And he effectively said, look, I've had some conversations with the boss. I've had some conversations with the board. They don't see the future for the club in the same way that I do. And so... I'm having to leave for the betterment of my career, basically. Um, that summer, I think, is when we bring in Shamak, Javinho, and then I guess that Can't must see what be... what his problem was then. And then we get to deadline day. We've been... No, actually, before that, because Van Persie misses a penalty in the 8-2. Yeah. The Haya saves. They saves. Blimey. And that forces us into... A lot of collector's items in that game. Yeah, and that forces us into buying Arteta and... Mertzaki. Mertzaki, yeah. Mustafi was with you, wasn't he, before that? No, Mustafi's later. Mustafi's Alexis days. 
Was it Giroud then who was centre half? Uh, yeah, Johan Giroud's around yeah. the time. A, a disrespected player there. Um, <laughs> never did he ever play again after the eight two? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had a good career, a good solid career after that. He's one. Of, he's one of those guys that gets shit on. Senderos wasn't as bad of a player as he sold to be. That man kept a clean sheet over two legs against Galactico Madrid, including one of the Burnabout. Obviously, it has to be one of the Burnabout. <laughs> <laughs> Very good player, but he's held up as being this calamity, mostly our fans that caused it. Mm. I'm not having the Senderos Hall of Fame discussion any week soon, but hey, look. Depends how much we struggle for content over the next few weeks. <laughs> Some of these guys deserve a bit more respect. Van Persie ultimately is saying, I'm going to win at all costs. I think if City come in for him that summer, he, he goes there. Whoever, I, I don't really want to know how many teams he would have joined. Like, I don't want to know if Chelsea had come for him. Would he, yeah, would he have gone to Chelsea? Would've... It's Other than injuries, it's the only thing I can put in the kind of against category against him. So I just wanted to... I was looking at, yeah, number of games played each time. I was thinking... You're looking at season on season there, you're struggling to get over sort of like mid to late 20s on some of these seasons. Well, only only three seasons he scores over 15 league goals. Yeah, I think especially early ones, you look at that numbers and you go, I know this guy wasn't playing out in that strike, I would like the numbers to be probably a bit more compelling. But then I, I even thought, I hadn't realised, obviously knew how many goals he scored. I hadn't realised that in his last year at Arsenal and then at United, he plays all 38 games. Yeah. Back to back. I mean, for anyone, that's pretty impressive. But for someone who's been notoriously injury-plagued and a striker, you'd go, that's pretty good going. Well, I think it was only one person. So I looked at that and then I looked at who done it this season. And for Man City, obviously winning the league, Bernardo Silva was the only one who played in all, every, mm. uh, all yeah, 38 yeah. games. Mm. Well, he, he did the thing as well... Um, I guess the best comparison this year would be um, Saka. There was like 10 to 15 times where he'd go down the game and you'd go, oh, fuck, he's done. He's done. And then the next game, he'd just be in the team. And Van Persie was doing that that whole season. Now, Saka doesn't have the injury history to make you think that. He just gets battered a lot. Every time Van Persie goes down, it's like, oh, for God's sake, I know what's going to happen here. And look, for two seasons... I don't know if we had the Leicester physios in before they go to Leicester. I don't know what happened. It is all. Well, I was yeah, thinking we must have had the... Because uh, I didn't realise he played 38 in that last season for Arsenal. So I thought we just had the physios at City had this season for Haaland. <laughs> that season. That it just must have injected him in something to get him out through the, that many because, games. But the, 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 sto- the stories of him as a teammate, he was very demanding. He was our captain. And for the, the way we were playing at that time... I can't fault a player for wanting to win. There, There's stories of the 5-2 game, um, the first one against Spurs, we do it in back-to-back seasons. He, we're 2-0 down, he scores. I think Sanya gets a header to make it 2-1. He has one, he checks it back onto his left like he used to do and he bends it, top bins. And then second half, if you remember, he has two he sets up for Theo. Basically, all the defenders pull across to him. He plays it across and Theo chips the keeper twice for that finish he loved. Theo says they get back in the dressing room. They're all buzzing. And he said, Van Persie is like coming at him. And he basically says to him, I know what you're doing. You're not fucking passing to me on purpose. You're trying to take this all for yourself, basically. And Theo's like, well, we should all be like happy. And he says, no, you we're a team, basically. I'm the guy give me the ball. And he said, it just ruined the atmosphere in the dressing room because yeah, yeah. he just 
demanded. He wanted goals, goals, goals. And we've just come back from two down at the Emirates. Booed off at half time. We do that. But then I don't think Theo was like that personally. Later on, you may not remember this quote. Bellerin does one of his talks and the quote that comes out of it is he's complaining about AFTV and he says, these guys make money from us losing. They're not proper Arsenal fans. And the pushback was, well, if you don't lose, then (laughs) they can't do it. And he says in that speech that Alexis Sanchez wanted to win too much was one of the quotes that came out of it. And in a time when we're being dogged for our mentality, him... You can't have hair like he has and say something like that. Unfortunately, yeah. the people online in the ground, they're going to get onto you. And I don't know if whether they were saying that or not, that's something that Van Persie felt. Mm. So there's, there's, there is something. We couldn't spend the money at the time that United could, that City could. If he just came out after, I think, and said, did what I had to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apologise, you know, explained himself. But every time he says, look, I'll explain myself now, he kind of just says, you know, you'll never know the full story. It's, well, this is your chance to tell us yeah, the full yeah, story. Yeah, I completely believe he went to the board and said, you need to back me. And Wenger probably said something like, we're going to do our best, but I can't yeah. make you any promises. I don't know if he suggested players, what it is. But that's really the only thing. If Arsenal fans have forgiven players for more. So I think if you just keep your mouth shut and keep quiet normally time will just sort of heal it for the, most of these players the, the Fabregas one for me it left for Barca I didn't like the manner of it um, took it out more on the Barca players to be fair because I didn't want to believe that this was that he was encouraging it but he certainly wasn't telling them to stop the Chelsea one I know for a fact he was offered he asked to come back to us Wenger said you've yeah, made your bed yeah. he says we've got we're stacked in your position already which is insane when you look at the level he was when he came back I don't know. At the time, I certainly didn't expect that Fabregas to be to be back in the league. And a lot of us got past it. He, Arsenal, could not put a happy birthday to Robin Van Persie on their Twitter now. No, no, no. They do that for Fabregas. They don't do that for Nazri. And- but then is that to the point where the English media, Van Persie is still very much a part of it? Like all the BT sport in terms of um, Europa League games where we've been in been playing Van Persie's always part of it Fabregas has kind of kept himself away from all of that although like he said he does, when, he, when he does speak he kind of knows what he's doing as yeah, well yeah and he, he just does the odd occasion he doesn't really say too much in favour of Chelsea or There's against some... Arsenal he's always pretty he says we for both which is, which is well played to be fair <laughs> um, but then Van Persie literally just does my United games so the last time he went viral was he, he had that clip where he basically called his son a pussy. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, when you were saying about his sort of mentality, <laughs> yeah. I think that probably told you. <laughs> oh, was you that a Jake Humphrey one as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he was lapping it up, wasn't he? Like, oh, that's just a great mentality. Like, I don't know, he might be just being a prick to his son. Yeah, with, with all of his efforts in that 11-12 season, we finished third. Mm. He only won the FA Cup during his time with Arsenal. £24 million, because that was the thing, was the fee. Could you not have got more? Yeah. So this is one of the things that I was looking at earlier. Twenty-four million in today, obviously, different era slightly with eleven years difference. That now gives you gets you Nathan Collins. (laughs) No disrespect to Nathan Collins, but he's not going to win you the league. Inflation's done us filthy. It was a lot then, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah. No, no. That's similar to the price we we sold out of by awful 
It may even be less than we sold out of by all four. Hmm. So it's 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 a it's a bit nuts. Um, but like you said earlier, one year left on his contract probably yeah. did have a little bit of something to do with the price being that that yeah that for, sure, for sure. And he'd made it quite public by that Pushed point for the that, move, didn't yeah. he? that he wanted to leave. I think one of my favourite things about him was he never tapped it in. He always put it in the net like he was trying to take the net off smashed it through one of the best things with him was defenders early on would say we're going to show you on your right and he'd go sound my right is as good as a lot of people's lefts and he would bury it that cut inside was lethal and just the moments as well we said about the Charlton one the Everton one uh, goal obviously the Liverpool one where he just sneaks off Carragher's shoulder at Anfield at the end of the game that season it was literally if he if it wasn't him we were cooked mm. and so I'll, I'll jump ahead I think he is going to be in the Premier League Hall of Fame I don't think he's going to be in there anytime soon because there's there's so many to go through but I think he could be in it anyway from the eye test but when you attach that trophy to his name alongside two golden boots it's pretty difficult to keep the guy out of it I don't know if you've got anything to add for a plus or a negative I think for me, I think, yeah, I, like you say, maybe three, four, five years maybe, but I think he will be in there. The two golden boots, back to back with different clubs, to be able to learn how to play a, a new system completely for another team and still win or be the guy, score the most goals in the league. I think I think that for me is probably enough on itself. Rio said like one session and they were like, yes, curtains. Yeah. <laughs> And he's supposed to be a proper hard trainer, not one like you hear about Hazard now and you look at where his career's gone. Even sometimes you get players that are injury prone and so they come back and they, they're very delicate with it because they at least want to play the games. And they say he every time just trained like a player that didn't have injury issues. So I think we've established he's a maniac. There's something yeah, he's obviously a bit yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the best players have that though, don't they? Yep. That's exactly is he in there, in there for you? Yeah, I thought this was, um, as you've probably alluded to by leading with him, um, I thought the least contentious. I thought I would really have to try and make a case not to have him in. I think I've got to, I'll admit, this isn't a, a sort of standard that's set. I do think in my own mind, I've got more of an affinity to, if you have a high peak for a shorter period of time, I'm probably more likely to value it than uh, a longer, more drawn out, okay, he was good. But where was the P? I'll probably put up with Van Persie just a couple of years. Lead us on nicely to one of our other contestants yeah. today. There you <laughs> go. Smooth transitions. There's something about left-footed players, isn't there? There's an extra better bit to watch, aren't they? Sometimes they just have it. Not always. They just got it. Unless right. they don't move. <laughs> Let's get on to Gareth Barry. Good play by Ashley Young. Slips away from his man. This looks promising. Gareth Barry. Villa lead Bolton by one goal to nil. Speaking of left-footed players. 652 appearances, most ever by a Premier League player. Most bookings too with 119. 53 goals, 64 assists. Played for Villa for 12 seasons, Man City for four, Everton for four, West Brom for one. There's a lot of guys who just pop up for one season at West Brom to end out their career, by the way, as I've seen in the the last week or so looking across. Do you think... uh Saudi have killed that now. We're not going to have a player just doing a random stint at West Brom. They're just going to go there instead. Three players here today 
Barry, Ivanovic, and Anelka all do it. Yeah, and I'd actually forgotten. I'd forgotten Anelka had done it. And then I hadn't forgotten the Ivanovic one because I'd remember yeah, how horrible yeah. that was. Anelka sees it not working with West Brom and goes for another paycheck at Mumbai City afterwards. Yeah, I mean, he's got China on the record as well, hasn't yeah. he? Anelka did not shy away from those paydays. <laughs> Bag chaser. Um, one Premier League title for Gareth Barry in 11 12. Kick things off here. Individual records go a long way. This one has to count for something. Most ever appearances in the league. Yeah, it counts for something. It's longevity, I think, like, it's probably going to take TK's point here, but was he ever an outstanding player in any of the teams he played in? He was always the guy that you'd expect a 7, 8 out of 10 from every week. He was never the go-to guy for anything. He was, yeah, he turned up <laughs> in the nicest <laughs> way possible. I think TK used it about Mark Schwartz, didn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, um, I did. I think, for, I think for that, yeah, it's got to be commended to get through that many appearances. What is that? What's the equivalent of that? Is that like eight? No, it's like 18 seasons or something, I think it is. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's near, it's near a 20 when you take all the games in. Yeah, so 20 seasons, it's 18 four seasons, I think, or just less. Yeah. And you're thinking, it's some work to be that fit to get through that kind of thing. So I think for that, it's got to be commended. But yeah, like I say, it's it's not one that's selling anything to me really. Um, I was actually surprised at the amount of games he played in that city, um, in that city season that they won the league. I yeah. think it was thirty three. I think he played in that season. I've got, I've got that. It's it's the most games of anyone in the squad outside of Joe Hart. Mm. Roberto Martinez called him one of the greatest English players of all time. TK, shall we tackle the Xabi Alonso stuff early? Shall we? Shall we do it? So. Maybe no better example of the attitude towards Barry in this league than Liverpool fans singing, you can shove your Gareth Barry up your ass mm. to uh, to Rafa. Yeah. His crime ultimately is not being Xabi Alonso. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. He's got He's had a decade in the Villa first team, 327 Prem appearances, and he's Benitez's top target to improve a Liverpool team that's just finished fourth. He's linked to us very briefly in that window and then it comes down to City and Liverpool. In Rafa's book, he says Barry was perfect. He says he could play as a central midfielder, of course, but he has some experience as an attacking left back, which would be useful for home games when we're expected to go forward and even as a left winger. We see this a lot with Arteta now. Did Rafa sometimes favour versatility over being really good in one position? Is that a thing? Potentially, at the... It seemed to move Gerald around a lot. So it moved our best player around. It's, if Rafa is trying to suggest that we were going to play Gareth Barry at left back and left wing, <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you. Do you do you remember the bids? I've got them here. We weren't willing to go to twenty, were we? Because they wanted twenty. I think we said sixteen and eighteen. Were we? You you bid fifteen, then you bid seventeen. They say they wanted eighteen million, or their counter offer. 17 million plus Steve Finnan. Well, if you really do think he's that guy, Rafa. You're you're not able to go any higher than you do. I can't he, extend to a Steve Finnan, sorry. He he speaks out publicly about this. He's told he has to train with the kids. He does an interview saying he's criticising the manager and the captaincy gets taken off him. It's given to... I was going to say Melbourne, but I don't think it was. Is it Larson, maybe? Is Martin Larson there? Yeah, I think point? it's Martin Larson. He gets injured 
And of course, so then they have to give the captaincy back to him when he yes. comes back into the team. Because in my mind, I don't know how it was for you when you're remembering it. My memory was he doesn't get the Liverpool move and City pay up that summer. It's the year later that he goes to City. Yeah, I knew he had another year. Because um, he has another good year at Villa and, and Alonso has probably his best season for us. Yeah, it's, my relationship with Gareth Barry is a complicated one. <laughs> because at the time, he is coming off a very good season with Villa and it's almost like there's a collective awakening to, oh, this guy's actually been really good for Villa all these years. If you remember, he kind of got brought in out of the wilderness for England as well because he hadn't got on a look, had no, had a couple of caps and then after 2003, he doesn't get any again until 2007. So he's just getting ignored. Bear in mind, obviously, this whole time we're going, right, we've got to try and get a midfielder here to get the best out of Gerald and Lampard and yeah, is just getting ignored the whole time and then they kind of realise, oh, he's left-footed as well, isn't he? This is a nice balance. Are you saying to United fans that ultimately, if you are good enough, you will get picked in midfield for England? I may be heavily alluding to that, yeah. Um, so, the the premise on which, why would we be interested to him? He is coming off, I think, a career best year, so I get that. But if you look at that Liverpool team, I just fail to see how, as the manager of that team, you go, you know what we need to do? <laughs> Replace Xavi Alonso with this guy. I just felt at the time, Everything Barry can do, Alonso can do, and Alonso can do a lot more on top. So, Xabi wasn't itching for a move at all, as we're led to believe. No, and then obviously, if you get linked like that, you probably are going to be pretty yeah. fucked off. Yeah. My thing at the time, and this is maybe where it's unfortunate that Twitter wasn't around, because uh, I would have found my tribe, as they say. Because I was going, I was just going spare, going, why the hell are we doing this? This isn't, because, uh, bear in mind, Best case scenario here is Barry comes in and is very good, but that hasn't improved us. We just haven't gone backwards because we'd have got rid of Alonso. Like, we're supposed to be building a team and we're just not. You're looking at a team like, it's got a great spine, work on something on the side, and we don't do that. Rafa decides to piss off one of our better players down, in pursuit of Gareth Barry. Down the line, Rafa claims... But it felt like no one else was going like, why the hell are we doing this? It felt to me like people were quite chilled about it because... Because Gareth Barry was coming off a good year, because he'd had some good press from the English media, he'd linked up really well with Jared in a couple of international games. Maybe that, but I just kind of felt like it wasn't. And then Alonso has an unbelievable year. and You're never going to find a Liverpool fan who's going to go, you know what, he was right. I actually didn't yeah. mind the idea of Gareth well, Barry because you're never going to admit to that now, are you? You're going to go, no, I always wanted Xavi Alonso. Rafa alludes to the fact that he wanted more targets. The only player anyone wanted to buy that the club was willing to sell was Xavi Alonso. And so they were going to take the money. You get Barry in, you've got some money left over to get whoever he was going to get afterwards. Mm. Doesn't work out. In fact, no. you get the worst of <laughs> both worlds. Yeah, you don't get it, Gareth Barry. Exactly. It's one of the earliest transfer sagas I can remember in terms of a very clear is he going to go here or is he going to go here and following it along with the gossip columns as we had to do teletext whatever great stuff and the fact that he ends up at City is um, I mean it, it was big for them I do wonder if they go so hard for him because of your interest it was it was a thing they need to prove what they're about yeah he was a it was a shrewd signing for them yeah, Barry does say that Liverpool came back in for him a year later when he joined City and says, whether you believe this or not, he says the difference was that City was selling him a future, whereas Liverpool was selling him on what they'd done in the past. Doesn't so sound, either it's a good, like <laughs> good soundbite or just a reality. 
something well we, we were very preoccupied with Alberto Aquilani at the time I think <laughs> you've got to remember that the window they get Barry they bring in Adebayor Torre Tevez Lescott Santa Cruz Adam Johnson and Patrick Vieira what's your point of me then <laughs> <laughs> they'd already brought in Rubinho Joe Nigel de Jong Bellamy Bridge Wright Phillips Given Zavaleta Ben Haim and company the year before when, so when was Alano there then Alano oh that was a I thought he came in with Rubinia. No, no, because he came in um, under the Thai owner. Uh, And then Rubinia was the first one under Abu Dhabi. Does the marquee sign? Among that group of players, does Barry feel significant due to Liverpool's interest, due to the player he is? And if so, does that help his Hall of Fame case? If you're one of the first big players in this City League winning side they assemble, could you say he had a significant part of kind of kickstart and a dynasty? All of these things I think you have to take into account if you're trying to put him in the Hall of Fame or if he's just another player they've gone out and bought in their way to success. That obviously works against him. I do think the fact that he isn't exactly the sexiest name on that list and yet becomes a mainstay in the team, I think he's probably one of the better adverts for him. Because When I was going back through, in, in my mind, the way that I'd remembered this it's a real statement that Liverpool wanted him, he's gone to City, but then I look at that name and the players they've brought in, like they've bought from Arsenal, they've brought from Chelsea. Did Shea Given being at City was completely erased from my mind, by the way, until I saw that again this week. Mm. Completely erased from my mm. mind. But in amongst that, as I say, Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal and United, they've got from all of those in that list. So Barry perhaps doesn't feel as significant as I remembered it being. No, it, it didn't feel like that one to me. It didn't feel like there was a statement made, only because I think... If they'd got him the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they'd bullied us out of it, you go, oh, shit. Um, but I think we went in all in that year and then didn't go back the following year. Well, then we had that stupid thing where it was like, Shabby, please stay. It's like, well, he's already pissed off. <laughs> Figure out how to get him out and get someone else in. And by the way, don't get it to a bloke who's playing for Roma, who's got a broken ankle when you're <laughs> signing him for £20 million. Maybe don't do that. The thing is, City stick by their valuation. And if you exceed that valuation, they won't go to it. Barry, he fits in with that. I want to say Barry might have been running low on his contract by this point. Yeah, right? 13 mil they get him for. So I think he had a year left. Four to point. five mil cheaper than uh, they were yeah, asking for. I think he only had a year left. So. And I think that's so, worth it compared to Aquilani. Yeah, they, well, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they bring him back in, they make him captain again and then on his way out there was a big controversy because he said, basically I'm staying, I wanted to leave for Champions League football. Then the City move comes in, City aren't in the Champions League at this point and he writes uh, a letter to the Villa fans, he released it in the Birmingham Mail and he basically says, I need a new challenge and I believe in this project, I believe in this. Villa have only finished sixth so they're saying to him, I mean, Villa fans have a history of doing this, to be fair, of saying, we aren't that far apart. So I don't know why you would consider that to be a step up to what we've got here, ages poorly once again. Yeah, it was. I would liken it a little bit to um, the situation with Van Persie when he left you guys, where you kind of threw the money grabber thing at him. So well, I'm sure he's getting better paid, but he's also going to a better team. <laughs> And that's kind of at sea. It's like, well, I'm sure he's getting better paid, but that team's going in one direction. I guess those two aren't rivals. For us at that point, if we don't believe he's going for the money, then what What the yeah, hell are we doing? Yeah, 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 fair enough. Um, he's the type of player that 
fans of his sides will speak so passionately about I've he got that down jump off a page the, to us one of the best things when it seems every fan base maybe not West Brom um, yeah. probably seems to think I didn't realise how good this guy was until I watched him up close yeah, the, because the interesting thing with how you judge things here for his Hall of Fame case is some would just point to what he's won with City but he's an integral cog in a fun Villa side that finished sixth in successive seasons but then they do finish sixth the year after he goes as well so that diminishes the achievement somewhat the Martin O'Neill effect it's, it's ultimately if, if you're making the Hall of Fame case for him here how much weight are you putting on his time with Villa because they're really the two teams we're paying attention to I don't think we're making the Hall of Fame case because of his time at Everton and so on no it's just what, I think they're not done the mic as well. doing a job within the same midfield as James Rodriguez though it's not bad going he probably had to get through a lot of work to make up for him he he He's the guy at City that's ultimately trusted to facilitate for Nasri and, and Silva either side of him. There's some yeah, in there at that point. But sometimes well, you watched you? sometimes you watch them with um him and De Jong and you'd be going like, What have they got Gareth Barry and Nigel De Jong in there? But it but it worked. It allowed the freedom then for the front four just to go play. and win a game, didn't it? So well, I remember at one point they lined up De Jong, Barry and Yaya. People hadn't realised what Yaya was. Yeah. Like, what are you got three holding midfielders? Oh, turns out this guy is not a holding midfielder. Apparently no. this guy's an absolute baller. <laughs> yeah, so it's like charged up and down the Not that my opinion would change that quickly. Um, the scowl on your face suggests otherwise, actually. It's, if, if you spoke to me last night, I was quite strongly in the camp that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than David Silva. <laughs> <laughs> next time we do this uh, there are a few players I question if I've seen a different player than with David Silva because as I said I don't put him top five Spanish midfielders in the Premier League ever and so I, I may stand <laughs> by that are your top five <laughs> if I was going to do it early multiple players I'd put ahead of him I'd put Chelsea Juan Mata ahead of David Silva I'd put Fabregas streets ahead because all is going to go here isn't it I think Cazorla, if I watch Cazorla and I watch David Silva, then Cazorla I put ahead of David Silva. Yeah, I was thinking more the fourth and fifth one because I knew those three were coming, but I might need a bit more time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if there is any more Spanish midfielders. Luis Garcia, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Jose Antonio Reyes' peak. He's a winger. He's a forward. Holy fuck. Just not, I'm just not as high on it. That might be the the worst take we hear today. Yeah, hopefully. What what was this going into though? So if you if more, if we actually last night you're going to make the case he's better than David Silva. Oh uh, no, I think he deserves a place in the Hall of Fame more than David more Silva. Than him, and I right. think for most people, if you put it on Twitter now, is David Silva a future Premier League Hall of Famer? Then most They'll are going to yes. say yes. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, just as, as well to go on the type of player he was, his pressing numbers at City are there alongside Carlos Tevez, and I'm not saying that earns you a Hall of Fame spot, but just he's a lot more than this kind of. Dull, steady, run of the mill, yeah. keep the game going, guy. Then uh, we say. I he's- think he probably played a little, a little bit closer to like a Jacker role now, where they had the young as the guy that was sitting, and he almost played as a bit more of an eight than a six. But because everyone associates him with that six that he played mm. originally and for England, he's probably then overlooked a little bit of his actual ability on the ball. Does um, get a few more goals in his Villa days as well. So yeah. that would probably suggest what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. is it? Good or bad for you if we start describing you as an intelligent player? Does that usually Good. say that? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> that I mean, bad thing better than done. Well, I mean, we're going to have the conversation for someone else later here. Usually, I see that said to back up how. Look, 
he's more than what you see on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Gareth Barry gets put Does in the that conversation. You don't see. I'm sure there's someone out there that can tell you how many of his bookings were for tactical fouling, but I bet it's the majority. Especially some of those, some of those city teams are ruthless for it. I do remember he was a walking card. Yeah, and he would like, He wasn't quick either. So no, he's, he had a you reputation. Were, you were going to get slow player, but he. Although he was meant to be pretty quick in his younger days, wasn't he? When he, I'm not saying that I remember these two vividly, but I'm pretty sure when he played as a left back when he first broke through at um, mm. Villa, he was supposed to be a quick left back that got forward. But, I think that probably changed a bit over time. I think yeah. he was perfectly physical. Used his frame well, obviously. I'm not sure how much he was dictating the tempo at the highest level when he's there at Man City, but I would say the guys who were doing so perhaps weren't able to do that without him in the team alongside them. No, I think at City, he probably was a facilitator, wasn't he? Um, and he did that well. I think he's, as we've kind of touched on here, probably better on the ball, probably a better technical player than we tend to think now looking back. But that's still... Is that enough to kind of get me over the line to getting him in the Hall of Fame? You, you can attribute this to other players. As Zabaleta said, Gareth was Mr. Consistent. He was great and one of the best players for us in that time. I never saw him miss a training session. I never saw him injured or having treatment. Only the recovery sessions. In the games, he covered every single inch of the field. He was not the fastest, but his positioning was always good. His left foot was perfect. He was good in the air and good in tackles. He deserves a lot of credit. He was so, so professional. He was the player with the most Premier League games. And I can tell you why, because he did the same thing every single day. He went into every tackle 100%, winning duels. Arteta would have liked him. (laughs) You always need those kind of players to bring consistency to the team. Yeah, as you said, 34 appearances for, for him in City's first Premier League win. I think on the basis of how many appearances he made in the Premier League, he will be in the Hall of Fame eventually just because he is the top appearance holder um whether i think he should go in now with some of the players that aren't already in the hall of fame i would probably have to disagree with right now but i think it's probably inevitable just because of the amount of games he's played that he does go in there at some point if if we were making the case for against tk that city side i assume we aren't saying the whole squad should be in there so maybe it's worth saying who should be in ahead of him if we're judging on that season, company I'm sure is in. Joe Hart, the only one who appeared more. That's probably an interesting one for down the line. Yeah, agreed. Aguero, bang 23, he's in already. Yaya and Silva, maybe the only other players you talk about more. Is he getting in? If we take the appearance record out of it, is he getting in based on winning the league with Man City? I don't think so. I don't think he is. Was he, even, was he the main man at Villa over Crew, Agbon Lahore? Yeah, I think by the time he was done that, I think they realised he was the main guy in the middle of the field. Um, and even then, they were good, like Ashley Young, Iqbal Law Karu, yeah. still inconsistent. And hence why they would loiter around fifth or sixth, wasn't it? It's because on their day they were good, but too many off days. So are you having him in the Hall of Fame? I'm drawing the line at Gareth Barry. I'm not having him in. Brad, I don't know if you were putting him in or you weren't putting him in. Sorry, I was not putting him in yet, but I think it's inevitable that the Premier League do put him in eventually on the basis that he has made the most appearances out of any player ever. I'm going to be... I think he's getting in. I kind of have to after what I said earlier as well. So, Like you're putting him in. You're yeah. not just saying you think... No, no, I'm putting him in. I think you're probably right. I think they probably will put him in on that basis of the record. But, for me, but I, I don't but think you should. Yeah, but for me... I wouldn't. Not yet. Cool. 
No, I don't think so. One of the benefits of us doing it now, but also the shortcomings is we don't know the parameters they're going to set because you've said yeah. how slow they're going to be to do it. Yeah. We don't know how lax they're going to get. I would have a guess they'll end up getting very lax. We're going to have certain people going in. We're going to go, well, hang on, if he's in, then well, people- insert X in. And I, I've, look, I like the guy. I think Jermaine Defoe will become that guy. I think they're going to put Jermaine Defoe in and everyone's going to go, hang on, this guy's better than him. And then he'll become sort of the benchmark for we go... On commentary, right. he has to go in instead of him. On commentary this season, uh, Hoyman Sun was described as a future Premier League Hall of Famer. So mm. do with that what you will. Yeah. And Hazard is onside. Can he get the ball right? Oh, look at the space for Ramirez. Company gets the blockhead. Yes! Chelsea lead. And it's Ivanovic. All the attacking talent on this field. And the big right back has thumped the Blues into a 1 0 lead. Branislav Ivanovic, 274 appearances, 22 goals, 20 assists, 88 clean sheets, three Premier Leagues, 9-10, 14-15, 16-17, nine seasons at Chelsea and one season at West Brom. Now, this really takes you back in time. He joined from Lokomotiv Moscow in January 2008 for what at the time was a large sum of money for a fullback, £9 million. He doesn't play at all in the rest of the season. And he's reported to have been really disappointing in training. The end of that Russian season basically goes straight into the Premier League. And at the end of the year, Shevchenko has to convince him to stay. So if he did one good thing at Chelsea, he convinced Ivanovic to stay at the club. What did Sherov against him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to make him stay. Um, then the revolving door at Chelsea does its thing. Philippe Scolari comes in. He gives him a break. Um, still isn't selecting him regularly but he comes in he's praised for his aerial ability and he manages to make a name for himself with the Chelsea fans two-headed goals against Liverpool in the Champions League thanks and he kicks on from there Bosingwell gets injured the next season and there's no looking back he's in I remembered from yeah I'm thinking he because I think he was brought in as a centre-half initially and then they realised he can actually play right back and obviously Bosingo was always a little bit uh, I don't know Basically, the epitome of a fullback that could go forward but couldn't really defend too well. And then, once, like you said, once Ivanovic got in, I remember that. that Once Basinga went down injured and he was in, it just didn't look bad, did it? If I ask you to set your stall out early, is Ivanovic a top five Premier League right back of all time? Or. Not for me. Top five. Top probably ten, not. Top ten, maybe. Yeah, probably not quite top five. But I do think there was a period of time where he's probably in the argument for the best in the league. So yeah. I do think that's a. It's a decent argument for him. A PFA team in a year twice at yeah. right back. Yeah. Probably a period where, what, him and Zabaleta probably competing for best right back in the league. Well, so I noted down earlier because they are going to spread this out across the positions. How many right backs deserve to be in this Hall of Fame more than him? Zabaleta, Gary Neville, Dixon, I'm sure, is going to get a shout down the line. Carl hmm. Walker, as soon as he retires, is, is, is going in. He's at least in that conversation. Walker and Gary Neville, they're going to be top of the pile. After that, I Is think Lauren there's Lauren going to get in on the basis of being an invincible? My assumption would be Ivanovic gets in there before him hmm. because I think there's a lot of Arsenal United in there at the moment and this is why they should have done it in batches because get all those Arsenal United ones out of the way that you want to get in there and then make it interesting. But having said that, that's also going to be one of the things I take issue with with this Hall of Fame stuff is there is going to be, because we're crying whiny little bitches, 
we're going to have a, well, why have we got all these players from this club in there? It's like, well, sure. because they're comfortably yeah. the best teams. Like, Man United should have a disproportionate amount of people. Realistically, of the current batch, you'd think we might have a few, but Liverpool should have, Gerrard is obviously already in. I would say Owen and Fowler should go in. Out of that, I think it's up for discussion. I don't think there's anyone you'd go for Liverpool. Like, they have to be in. It's Carragher not nailed on for you. I think, Car- I think I'd have Carragher in, but you could make an argument against him. Suarez, I think, should be in, but you could make the argument against him on longevity. Similar with Torres. Might be. But we'll, yeah, we've got players like that where I think we've got a lot of borderline where I would obviously make the case for them. And I think you might well fall down on that side. But it's at least debatable. And I'm saying that as a Liverpool fan. Imagine yeah. any club below us, they're going to have their fans going, well, hang on, he's played 300 games for us. He should be in. He would be great for us every week. And we're going to go, it's a Hall of Fame. We've got to draw a line so, somewhere. Where, like, yeah. There's got to be some level. I think that's why they've done the appearance thing, to try and quash some of that. But the issue with the appearance thing is it can very quickly go from you have to make 250 to become eligible to you make 250, you're in. Yeah. Can quickly become what happens. Hence why my response to your Mark Schwarzer uh, yeah. message the other day. My, my, my point really was, um, I don't think there's going to be a situation where you get like a whole starting 11 in. So the Invincibles, I Someone's think a lot of them out. should be in. Yeah. And I think if you go down that list, there's a couple. Yeah. yeah. Like there's players in there and you make a good point with it being about your own fan base. I think in his position, I don't think there's, 10 better than Gilberto Silva if Gilberto Silva gets in the Premier League Hall of Fame I'm going to be very shocked that's a good point and so there's probably less traffic in front of Loren and I still don't think he'll make it in there just because I think but does Gilberto Silva reach any of the I've got to think he's played he's there he's outlast he's got more time served than Van Persie I'm, I'm near certain on that did he, did he hit right. the 200 games that's the kind of thing that he did obviously win the Premier League but I feel like he was there for so long, Gilberto. Unless I'm misremembering things, because he just looked oh, like an old—he looked like an old guy for a while. You're confusing him with Julio Baptista. Because <laughs> he wasn't there for a long time. <laughs> he was there for a good time. I'm stumped. 170 for Gilberto. Yeah, so he wouldn't, He's not he wouldn't get, it. get it on the appearances, would he? Well, Loren definitely ain't going to be there. Then. No. Um, where were get we? Wes Brown in there. Hey, look, that might be where we start to draw the line for some of these United boys. Hey, they've won the titles, right? <laughs> is is the thing we're doing, and if we're going to go the opposite way, the conversation we had about Van Persie, we're, we're talking about a smaller sample size. Consistency for Ivanovic is really the name of the game. Like, he's in there, he's a solid for five, six seasons at Chelsea. Because even when he stops being useful at, a cent- uh, at fullback, they move him to centre-back when they're playing five at the back and he has good seasons under Conte. And well, Just the way some speak about it, like Darren Bent said he's one of the hardest players he ever played against and we, we had a conversation about he's made a bit of a joke figure now, Darren Bent. Good Premier League player and so he's played against a lot of these good guys. If he's singling out Ivanovic, that's quite the stamp, I would say. Yeah, I think Ivanovic, 88 clean sheets like you've mentioned... That's one every three games. Yeah, that's bad going. That's ridiculous, really. Mm. At the top level as well. Playing against some of the players that he was playing against, to keep to have that level of consistent consistency, I know it was in a really strong Chelsea back four, mm. but still, that's, that's the, unbelievable, really. The way you've spoken before about Ashley Cole and him and Van Persie in one pod might be a bit too much, <laughs> but you made the point that his ability 
going forward was spoken down on almost or at least not given the respect because he was so good defensively and we've kind of portioned it maybe I've done it the wrong way around it you kind of have to be good at one um, well I said the, the amazing thing about Cole is they don't slag off like, his defending or or vice versa normally we'll only give you credit for the one and Ivanovic I mean the the numbers show he was both ends yeah yeah I think maybe because of how it ended we forget that he was quick for a guy who's who's a bigger fella and yeah, had quality going forward. He he's spoken before about essentially he knew he was done and the managers had kept picking him and he he's like, I'm not gonna say I, I can't play. The uh, and he's almost saying, Put me out my misery. The Aspilaqueta Seamus Coleman uh, phase of a career. Why are you still doing this to me? If we canvassed a hundred Chelsea fans who the better right back is, where do you think they go in Ivanovic and Aspi? I think we've asked Jack before and he said Ivanovic. I know I asked Aspi or Paolo Ferreira okay, okay, and it was very emphatically Aspi and I've been thinking that's a bit disrespectful to Paolo. Who, so I imagine you'll have the same thing. Who are you taking out the two? So is this Aspi, Aspi or and Ivanovic? Ivanovic. You'd have to ask the Man City fans because they were Chelsea fans back then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'd go with Ivanovic, I think. Yes, I'm so, um, yeah, I think I'd probably go Branislav. I think, well. I think Chelsea fans might pick Aspi, though. When we got affinity with Ivanovic. That recency bias. Mm. Recency with Aspi would probably push you back the other way. I remember when Should we do. started <laughs> discussing the names for this, he seemed a perfect standout for, I guess, the conversation we were having with Lauren. He's in these great teams. He's not a name you instantly think of, but yeah, he's a guy, yeah. When you sent me this name, I instantly thought, I'm on the fence here. Like I could literally be mm. convinced either way. So for this conversation, it's absolutely perfect to where you're going with it. I think on the basis of 22 goals for a right back, I mean, Trent's obviously... Was it in one year, Brad? Just let's get that clear. 20, 20 assists as well. Yeah, I know. He was very good from set pieces because they'd always put him in a box. And if it wasn't Kale or Terry or Drogba getting on the end of it, it was always Branislav. Mm. And you just they were just a nightmare to defend against set piece-wise. Well, that's the same thing with United and, and the teams and why they're able to win for so long. Chelsea did just craft this just spine of players that you just go and they must have multiple players with like 200 appearances. And you all look at them and maybe for a time you didn't say they were uh, the best in the league, but you go down there like, still there, still very good, very good, very good. And that's as big of a thing as we've spoken about with Didn't Van Persie. they have Percy. like seven international captains at one point as well? I mean, mm. it, it sounds about right. Because Ivanovic was obviously captain of Russia. Was Czech there then as well? Yeah. He was yeah, captain yeah. of the Czech Republic, obviously. Um, Obi Mikel, Nigeria captain. Drogba, yeah. Ivory Coast. Terry, Terry England yeah. captain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was like two mm. more as well. Maybe Damien Duff. I think he might have been captain for a couple <laughs> of games of yeah. Ireland at the time. But yeah, it's just... Like an unbelievable team that they'd assembled. Oh, Mutu. <laughs> Do you know the team uh, that Ivanovic was playing when he said he kind of realised he was done? It's going to be Arsenal, isn't one, it? No, no. <laughs> one, one winger in particular that only his name pops up when he's just given someone a nightmare. Did something against an Arsenal Montero? defender. Jefferson Montero. Yeah. Swansea away and he said, I just knew. I was thinking Montero. I was, I was thinking Nathan Dyer. Why is Montero just <laughs> ending careers? Nathan Dyer as well. Jesus, he was rough players in that Swansea team. That that year they had Montero, Michu, Routledge, Dyer. <laughs> like it was Guilty. just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but that year, the year that um, 
Montero does that to Callum Chambers, the the second half is just in torrential rain, and that's when Gilfie just bangs a free kick late, and it's like, oh. And then Ox is like laughing at Chambers within like a week, and it's like it's, it feels too soon for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got to be too soon for him. <laughs> TK Branislav Ivanovic, Premier League Hall of Fame, yes or no? Yeah, I've got him going in. I said I think. Three Premier League titles, a couple of team of the years he gets in. I think, as I said, I think for a period of time, he's probably the best right back in the league. I think that goes a long way on some of this. Barry not being in there, if you'd said, look, he is not a fashionable player, but for a period of time, he was the best holding midfielder in the league and a standout, I'd have gone, you know what? He has to go. That wasn't the case, I don't think. With Ivanovic, I think I do have to put him in. Is there a thing where subconsciously it doesn't include anything but the league but when it comes down to fan votes to at least get it to kind of the judging panel people don't just take the Premier League and Ivanovic is clutch as well I said before when we've done like manager of the season we may as well acknowledge like outside influences i.e. domestic cups in Europe coming to play because is Pep getting manager of the year if they don't get a treble probably not because they just proceeded to another all these managers like how and whatever would have probably got it because we're bored of City winning the league because they did the other stuff He's obviously the choice. By the way, on on this, whilst researching for Ivanovic, an article described him as being subjected to an oral assault by Luis Suarez. In trying to make this polite of him biting him, they somehow made it sound even more grim. If you didn't know that, if you were looking back, like, what happened to... What did Luis Suarez do to Ivanovic? Oh, he just bit him. Do you you say you've... Would you have him in or not? So, yeah, I was completely on the fence, but... When I saw that one in three clean sheets, I think that probably sold it for me. I know it was, as I said, a strong Chelsea team, but um, and he's obviously popping up with goals and assists. Um, one in eight, I think it was. It worked out to be. Yeah, I think I think he goes in for me. I'll take him. But in I think he's probably one that gets easily forgotten about. So I think a really yeah. good, a really good topic. Yeah, if you could see some of the names me and TK went through before um, getting to these five for this first episode. Yeah. I was actually surprised that John Terry wasn't on your list. Well, he's, uh, he's going to be... He's going to go in, isn't he? He's yeah. already one yeah, of the... Yeah. I guess the ones that I woke up to this already. text at about quarter past six this morning, by the way, about John Terry not being in it. You woke up to text <laughs> John Ter- about John Terry yeah. at quarter past six. I woke up and I was like, wait there, I haven't actually checked who's in yet. So, um, Yeah, a couple of... Van Persie has been nominated before. Um, we spoke about Defoe has been nominated before. Um, and now... I'm not sure if he's been nominated before, but he's who we're going to who's he's who we're going to discuss now. Anelka still looking for his first Bolton goal. Nicolas Anelka, he gets it against his old side. A terrific goal on the stroke of half time to put Nicolas Anelka's Bolton Wanderers tuning up against his former Gunners teammates. From the minute he picked that ball up, I think he had one thing in mind. 364 appearances, 125 goals, 48 assists, one golden boot, two Premier Leagues, three seasons at Arsenal, one at Liverpool, three at City, two with Bolton, five with Chelsea and one with West Brom. Premier Leagues were in 97, 98 and 9-10. Is that the furthest... Between someone winning <laughs> the league, that would be a nice bit of trivia. That surely it, 
I know the big thing with Ronaldo is longevity, but watching the game again back with um, kind of battle at Old Trafford where Rude gets battered at the end, seeing Ronaldo there was so spinny when he's like a key guy in that team as well. I watched it on my lunch break on Friday and when they're all battering Rude, Ronaldo steps to like three Arsenal players and then it's like he looks up like, yeah, you're some big fellas actually. And he goes, nah, actually, see you later. <laughs> and he just leaves Rude with like Loren, Keown. <laughs> Parler's got a look in his eye like you've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. He's fuming. He's at some Cobras on the touchline. The <laughs> game at Highbury? Uh, well, it would have been one, but... Um, so Where are you shushing the crowd, Ronaldo? Well, we, we obviously don't lose. So if he was, then it was bold because this is the unbeaten season. Oh no, it wouldn't have been that one. I think it would have been the season after. And the one where he's just doing like step overs in the corner for no reason, and then someone batters him, and he yeah. Who was that? He battered him. It was some. It's going to be like Colo or someone like that. I mean, it was no, it was a right back. It wasn't Lorenzo. Sanya. No. Oh, don't matter. Does yeah. it? But. All right. Anelka. Polarizing figure. TK. Fair to say. Yeah, I think it might, <laughs> might be the definition of polarizing, right? Isn't it? Now, the status of the clubs he's been at shouldn't be taken into account, but inevitably will be. I mean, Juventus to Arsenal, to Madrid to PSG, to Liverpool on loan, to Man City, to Fenerbahce, to Bolton, to Chelsea, to Shanghai, to Juventus on loan, to West Brom, to Mumbai. Partners Nicholas Bentner up front in that Juventus team to a Serie A title, by the way. The man has seen some things. We can't think about the Serie A title that he's won with No, Bentner. we can't. But <laughs> I know um, you will try and get Bentner in there at any hey, opportunity. Hey, Premier League Hall of Fame Bentner, because I maintain was not the joke player people turned him into. He turned himself into a joke player wearing those Paddy Power boxes. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm just, I was thinking the other day, like, I see the way Balogun's being spoken about now. Bentner was better than Balogun. You no know. one was buying him for 35 million. Yeah, I d- I never quite saw it with Bentner. Fair hey, enough. Premier League record uh, speaks for itself. This one, if aliens came to Earth, good place to start a sentence, and were given a list of all Premier League players, their accomplishments... I think he, that would be their first stop as well. Yeah. I think, talk to me about Nicholas Anelka's career. <laughs> he'd Do you be, want to know anything else about Earth? Nope. No. <laughs> he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, if you fed this all into a supercomputer and said spit out the Hall of Famers, Anelka is in the Hall of Fame. So why is it up for debate? Because he's like, um, I, I don't know, if, if you ever go to a fancy restaurant and like, I'm sure the food is nice, but I just want a bit more. And it, that is Nicholas Anelka. You got you had some of his goals on as we came in then. And you like, some of these goals are unbelievable. And you're like, and yet. You're still you're, debating it. But why are you even debating it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The eye test it should do, the numbers are pretty good. It's obviously got medals. Mbappe before Mbappe. Yeah, well, I mean. When I was not far off, when I was writing my notes, it's the most even my for and against have hmm. been. Young player of the year, 98-99, if you want to take that into account as well. Hmm. Even just the fact he's balled at all these clubs. First season at City, he goes on a revenge tour, by the way. Scores last minute against you, last minute against us. He's He scores the goal to give Jose his first defeat as Chelsea manager partnership that partnership with Drogba is probably the best I remember of him 
Is it fair to say the most successful times of his career is when he's not been allowed to be the guy? See, I remember him most for his Bolton days. He says that's the peak of his career, by the way. He says he played his best football at Bolton. And he that's where great. I remember him the most, I think. And for me, when he is the guy, I think that suited him better. Being, I don't know, I he obviously he was top goal scorer, wasn't he, in 08-09? Yeah, when they he played the league that year. Yeah. Um, yeah, United won the league that year, didn't they? Yeah. They won it the following year, is it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, but I remember him more from his Bolton days than I do from his Chelsea days. If you look at his his two league titles, he scores six and eleven goals in the league compared for each of those. That was that was the thing. I went into this thinking I've got an outcome in my Hall of Fame for sure. He's, I know he's got a golden boot. He's got a couple of Premier League titles. He's a Even, low scoring golden boot as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Even like I knew obviously how good he'd been at Arsenal. Also, I thought if you've had an active role in that double winning team, which a lot of people put up and go, you know what, that's better than the Invincibles team. That depends what you like, but the fact that he's played a leading role in it, I was like, but the raw numbers, kind of, it doesn't look so, like it. And then the following year, obviously, 99, so Arsenal yeah. don't win it, but he balls out and then leaves. January, February time in that season, Ian Wright gets injured and yeah. he's expected yeah. as a 17-year-old to come in and be the guy. Like, I did forget how just how young he was. That yeah, is he, pretty he, impressive. He scores six in the run-in and that, and we win the league. And you look at some of the goals, you think it's a joke, and including there's a winner over United as well, which obviously at the time is, well, is the, huge. The way that some of these players speak about him, so you, you listen to the way someone like Gary Neville, I guess, speaks about him and the way they're all like, Jesus, this guy was frightening. And they say, you know, fastest player they played against, just the the most raw technical ability. Wenger says the biggest regret of his career is not being able to work things out and letting him go. Yeah. Works out for the best. He goes, money gets spent on Thierry. Mm. Not too bad, but... Yeah, it works out well for you. Imagine them two together. Yeah. And he, I think he says about regrets leaving Arsenal when he did. So yeah, he does. And so... <laughs> He scores against us, I think, every time with every club he plays for that he's able to play against us with. And then in 2010, he scores against us in a 4-1 win and he refuses to celebrate. But he celebrated like every other time. And then he gets asked after and he's like, well, I still love Arsenal. And they're like, well, this isn't like the first time you've scored against them. <laughs> he, the whole brand. controversy with that celebration he did where he's like, well, this, what are you, this is just a celebration and said he's being anti-Semitic wasn't it the celebration I, f- I forget the, what the name of what it was called I saw it again yeah, earlier because yeah. um, on the playground I remember that celebration was popping off but it's a lot easier than like the Robbie yeah, Keane yeah, or something yeah. wasn't it um, yeah the golden boot going back to that 19 for his golden boot yeah. it was a low scoring season I think I think they scored I think the Premier League total goals was 940 in the season that he won it season before was 1002 Season after was a thousand and fifty three. He pinches um, it off Ronaldo on the final day as well. Yeah, so Ronaldo scored eighteen. The season before Ronaldo won it with thirty one. Season after Drogba won it with twenty nine. The when he's nice. there with Chelsea, he gets shifted wide to accommodate Drogba as well. Well, I remember there's a spell. I assume in the Golden Boot when the uh, the beginning of it, I think Drogba was injured, and Anelka was playing, and I remember thinking, at least in my mind. Drogba might struggle to get his place back because Anelka was looking that red hot and then obviously they make it work between them which yeah. in, in a way is kind of a, a good advert for him is that when he was the, asked to be the guy he stood in 
And when he had to accommodate Drogba, he did. And they had a good link-up, which you would have probably looked at those two characters and go, is this going to be a bit combustible? That that Chelsea team is one of the first I remember where they wouldn't just beat you, they would beat you. Like, mm. them needing a win on the final day to win the league and what, they went 7-0? Mm-hmm. they're ridiculous and they win multiple by five plus in the times when those two are playing together sometimes two players just click and they're able to find that egos get put to the side or look, if everybody eats everybody eats then the ego doesn't need to come into it if we're scoring two each a game or I'm getting an assist and you can do that as a manager where if you start to say you know you, you can work on your playmaking and then he starts getting multiple assists for Drogba and you can feed into that and say this work you're doing is really good and you can kind of feed his desires that way it works and clearly they came to an understanding between them but it looks like he was just a bag chaser his career like he's in Turkey before people are going to Turkey he's in China right when people are going to China the guy I don't know what it is in his personality he just didn't settle anywhere for long enough like my thing when I was going through all of these and I was asking myself the question for all of these that we're debating today for all of the players that are in the Hall of Fame all of them would be in their own club's Hall of Fame. So we're going to talk about Michael Carrick later. I'm pretty sure Michael Carrick would be in the Man United Hall of Fame before we get there, whether we have him in the Hall of Fame or not. Would Anelka be in any of his team's Hall of Fame? He was voted for Arsenal, I think, I think it was 29th in their best ever players. But I, I wouldn't have him, I wouldn't imagine he's going to be in an Arsenal Hall of Fame. We're doing the thing with him when they just put Le in front of it in the newspapers. He's called Le Sulk at the time when he asked to leave and he blames it on the British press for why he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Is he gonna, would he be in a Chelsea Hall of Fame? Would he be maybe in a Bolton Hall of Fame? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but for all of these, we had the conversation about Owen where he mm. tried to constantly appease the fans before and it just would then rub against the new fans or whatever and he ends his career not being a legend with any of those teams in with how they speak about him. Hey, he's a legend at United just for that goal against City, all right? <laughs> he's loved by United because Liverpool fans don't like him. If Liverpool fans forgave Owen very quickly enough, if he played for less a Liverpool guy, he's not our guy. Does this go against him here? Do you need to be a legend? You shouldn't Can have... you be a, in a Premier League Hall of Fame and... Yeah, I don't think... That's the whole reason. Of the, Sorry, sir. That's the whole yeah, reason of the two hundred and fifty appearances rather than yeah. just two hundred for one club, isn't it? But yeah, like you say, I don't think he would be in any individual team's um Hall of Fame. Um, and that explains why you won't have a campaign for him no. to get in. Because there isn't a fan base going, why we need to get him in. We spoke about Rafa's decisions earlier. I think he scores a couple of goals with you on loan. Gerard Houllier says he doesn't want to sign him permanently because he wants to take Al Hajjouf instead. And so that guy is an amazing World Cup. Right? So it's not even one where you're saying I don't want to put up with his attitude because you're bringing in Al Hajjouf. No, but that's exactly what he said. He's cited attitude reasons, and then we brought in Al Hajjouf. It's unbelievable. The only people that like Al Hajjouf are the people that really dislike Carrigan Gerard because he says enough where you're like I can maybe get on board with what you're saying about him yeah that that is a decision that I can't speak to how it felt in 2001 I can't have felt right in 2001 it's 2002 wasn't it 2002 2002 yeah, yeah. yeah so, it was the World Cup that they but signed. he hadn't Anelka yeah. hadn't set the world alight for us no it kind of even you glimpses and 
I remember Gerard said in his book, he said, like, that we saw in training and stuff, this guy's got it, said, and he said he was going to see him. He said, like, some people, people obviously split on him, but he said he just seemed like a quiet guy. He said he didn't, didn't think anything of it, really. And obviously, Gerard then uh, meets out Hatch Jew, who he doesn't get along with too well, <laughs> as it turns out. Ah. But yeah, but then the, the controversy of it at the time, Anelka doesn't set the world alight. Juve has a good World Cup. So probably the the feeling around it wasn't so bad. And then you watch LHG for a little bit and see his behaviour as well. And I want, not so good. I wonder if this is where Wenger set his stall out because Wenger had the thing where he'd never go back. And so he doesn't take Fabregas back in. Mm. Wenger's whole thing, and I, I spoke, spoke about this and I'll speak about this next week with um, Kai Havertz and Erdegaard. Our thing has kind of been you, you, you take these guys with a, with a broken wing and we mend you and then you, you flourish for us. I'm, I'm surprised when you look at the, the fees being spoken about that Wenger didn't say, I know what you've got. Because he has to have looked at those together. But then I guess, how do you work Omri, Burkamp, Anelka? And Over then, Mars, we're all told. Yeah, and then after Perez, that, Lumber, Lumber. Perez, like, like, not getting a look in. And he's no. a baller, so. No. Very good player. Would, wouldn't mm. mind the whole podcast just appreciating Lundberg and Perez, maybe. I don't know who he would do that with me, but not, highlights not, I've not stumbled upon people. them uh, against the <laughs> I'm out Andy Gray clapping yeah. in the booth when he scores that chip against Villa. I mean, the, it's, it's a real shame Andy Gray had the uh, maybe some of the views he had because yeah. just top tier commentator. But I wanted to have a mention for that Bolton side. I was just looking through the squad when they were together. Kevin Davis and he's got Juff back as a strike partner by the way when he gets to Bolton yeah. <laughs> um, Gary Speed's there Kevin Nolan's there Stelios yeah. my arch nemesis at the time is there Stelios Giannacopoulos what yeah. player he was Fortune's there Gardner Campo Ben Haim at the ben back Haim, yeah. keeper options of UC and Al Habsi oh, sensational Bolton team that used Let's- to beat us every single time Let's and, do a pod on the Bolton team of that, yeah. that era and rather than Arsenal. And Elka has gone 11 without scoring for Bolton. Holy then fuck. he faces us and he scores a brace. That's good and I was it. listening on the radio. Got him back and, in. and I've not chosen to listen to a game on the radio since. I sat in our kitchen with a little, a little stereo, aerial up and all sorts, listening along and yeah, we get dumped and I had to switch to um, just sitting in front of a teletext screen waiting for it to update every other minute. More luck there, actually. So that was the switch. It's pretty mad that sort of like that sort of time at Bolton probably was pretty transformative for him. It basically gives him this whole Chelsea chapter we're talking about. I don't, I don't think anyone's taken a chance on him with this because well, I, I remember when they signed him, people asked Allardyce if this was a risk signing a Nicholas Anelka, and he said it's the least risky signing I've ever made. I'm signing a Nicholas Anelka for Bolton. Don't, don't be stupid. And fair play to Big Sam, he, uh, it came true. He gets convinced to sign a new deal. Um, he signs a new deal and he basically says, while signing the deal, I just hope we can do well together. Bolton then start horribly as soon as he signs the new deal. And he speaks to the press like he always does. And he says, look, I love it here, but I may have to rethink things if the club carries on performing the way they are. Distancing himself from that. Chelsea come in, they offer big money for him and he says, I only signed that new deal because I wanted Bolton to get more money for me. He's all hot. He's trying to kind of get back in their good books. I don't know how much he cares about that portion of his career, but the fact he nails that down is the best of his career. Maybe that's because 
he is the main man and that's what he preferred to do. Just the success points to the fact that he Who was better off without it. Who would actually be in that Bolton Hall of Fame? That's another good question, isn't it? <laughs> Kevin Davis is obviously in. Davis and, and Nolan. We work around that. Yeah. Davis and Nolan are in. Gary Speed. Mm. Gary Speed's got to be in there. Mm. But yeah. UC Askelainen. Yeah. Oh yeah, he has to. And Big Sam's first ballot. <laughs> and Sammy Lee, thank you. <laughs> With earpiece in. <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that almost the entire reason we did an 07-08 pod was that Portsmouth team and that Big Sam and Sammy Lee faced each other on the opening day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on maybe the hottest podcast in recorded history. Are you talking about the material we dropped or are you talking about... Both. Brad, is Nicholas Anelka in the Premier League Hall of Fame? Um, For me, no. And the reason for that is he never actually scored 20 goals in a season. And yeah, he was good. I have no doubts about that. But for me, that was just one of the things that I couldn't look past. And someone that we've known to have glimpses of being unbelievable. But... Yeah, I'd- so his his golden boot was like a championship in the bubble, fake or or a Premier League Premier League behind closed doors, maybe. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> when the Premier League must be nice. So, TK is an Alker in the Hall of Fame. I've got to put him in now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll admit I felt a lot more bullish about him prior to kind of going into it. I just remember. I, I thought he was really good at Chelsea and I looked at the goals like 38 goals in 125 games you know that's not it's not it's bad mostly scored for a single club isn't it yeah when you he didn't at, stay anywhere did he no. <laughs> didn't when stick around when you look at um, Van Persie scoring one in every two mm. 144 and 280 I think it was and Nelka 125 and 364 one in every three it still sounds good can I say but yeah. in terms of was and, that just a lack of consistency because he moves so often Maybe that it was, but then obviously Van Persie going and scoring 26 in the second season at it's a really, United. It's a really weird career. Pretty unique. Um, I'm going to still put him in though. Okay. I'm going to just about have him in. I think that spell at Arsenal, I think he's been a little bit unlucky in terms of, I think if you had a player who did that now, I think we'd all go insane. Yeah. Um, so I think he's probably missed out on a little bit of hype because of when it happened. And then you I do think Eddie's got that juice. Sorry, you not reckon Eddie's got that juice? No, no I did not reckon <laughs> Eddie's got that juice. I'm sorry. The only thing I'd say about that unique thing, I don't think it will be unique going forward. I think it's unique for the era that he played in. Well, you think someone else is going to have the career like he's had, where they go? Well, right. maybe not. Every time of success, he goes, "I'm out of it." Breaking so through like that at 17 is insane. Yeah. The controversy at the time, by the way, was um, we tried to sign him on uh, Bosnian and. So there was a rule that under 24, obviously, you had to do the compensation package. Wenger tried to claim that only counts for domestic signings. And so we should still be getting him for free. We kind of have to meet in the middle and we pay 500 grand for him, which 500 grand for the Anarka we get is still cheap as chips. But um, yeah, that was a thing. And Arsenal at the time don't want to be represented in any way other than being the class and also... uh, doesn't age well. Doesn't yeah. look well. Standards slip well. over time, don't they? <laughs> I was talking more like referring to amount of clubs. Oh, okay. yeah, clubs. No, I guess yeah. the more unique aspect I was talking about what you touched on earlier, where you said he's won a league title in '98 and then doesn't win one till '0910. I don't think we're going to see that too often. I think someone's even going to have early success or late success. We're probably not going to have, and that's probably why I've got him in. Is if I think 
if this makes any sense, if the Chelsea spell follows the Arsenal spell, I think we don't have a conversation about yeah, this. No, because yeah, yeah. you'd go, that's a collection, that's a body of work which you can respect. But because you've just got that gap in between, everything becomes a bit hazy and you're like, what the hell are we, what the hell are we doing it? But even the fact that I think we're going to, as this Hall of Fame thing goes on, you're going to have what I've touched on where players of lower clubs are making a case for it. If you want to look at it, Anelka's kind of had a bit of both. If you look at the City team he plays in, the Bolton team plays in, he's kind of done the hard yards at those teams and he's been good at better teams like Arsenal and Chelsea. So well, yeah, on it, the balance of it, it feels to me admit, someone like Tim Cahill should be in the Premier League Hall of Fame, but I have no way of backing up that he should be <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, but he just feels yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. he should be. I think... With, with what you said about how we couldn't have it today, the issue is, one, the contracts that players sign, and two, 13 million he goes to Man City for, which feels a lot of the time. Even with the reputation issues, even with everything that's come before, the fees involved now would mean you couldn't move that many times. Just there's, point, no, yeah. there's not enough clubs you, that you could afford you. That, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, good point. All right, let's move on to our... Oh, yeah. Who you I, got, I, got I, I've... Got him in just just oh. about. You, you've maybe swayed me in in the moment. I, I hadn't made my mind up as of five minutes ago, and uh, I think ultimately that I'm trying to have some form of consistency. <laughs> it feels like some of the players I've had in here, then we've got to have him in. But I think I've had everyone in so far. So look, Michael Carrick, pressure on you. <laughs> no pressure. There's a little warning for you, people. I know he's not going anyway. So. <laughs> well, not for Byron anyway. Michael Carrick, the Geordie, who will relish occasions like these against Sunderland. Carrick keeping Stephen Fletcher at arm's length. Well, it's a good example of what he does so well, Michael Carrick, the way he builds the, the game from deep, straight past there eventually. But 481 appearances, just 24 goals, um, <laughs> 40 assists, five Premier Leagues, four seasons at West Ham, two with Spurs. 13 with United um, coming out of that sickening West Ham youth setup. really they've pumped out Joe Cole they've pumped out Frank Lampard Carrick comes out shortly after he has a sh- Real short as spell well. there yep Defoe. they don't tie him down enough and he goes to Spurs for under 2.5 million the controversy when he signs is um, he comes in and is Jack Santini who they say the board signed him without his permission. And that was the story. He comes in and that becomes apparent. Santini doesn't pick him. He doesn't pick him for his first eight games after he's joined. Eventually, he makes an appearance. He gets the chop. Martin Yol comes in and this is where they kind of uh, start working together. Carrick starts showing what he's about. And then he gets to move to United, obviously. Brad, do you want to make the early kind of uh, four for Michael Carrick? What kind of player he is and uh, why he's so good? It's probably not something that's looked at. I, I, we touched on it earlier, but it's not something that was looked at probably back in that era, but the progressive passes. I think you actually see what you won't see as assists and goals from Carrick, but what you'll see is the pass before the goal, before the before the assist, sorry, or something like that. And he was so good at picking the, that forward pass as a deep line midfielder, kept the ball ticking um, side to side. He killed games for us when we were like 1 2 0 up. He would just keep the ball for straight teams. I know Skulls obviously came back at the latter part of his career and sat alongside him, did exactly the same thing. Um, but he was always the guy, that, well, 
between them that would play that forward pass that would be the one before the goal or whatever. And yeah, I think for me, it was a no-brainer. Five Premier Leagues, played more than 28 or 28 or more games in all five of those seasons. Um, Would you call him underrated? I wouldn't call him underrated. Say it. But I a lot think, of people would. Yeah, a lot, of people, worry, a lot of people do it for you. Would, but I personally wouldn't say that I underrate him. I think he's. I've always rated him. So something I thought was interesting. He's 23 when he signs for Spurs. We've kind of decided whether you're a good player or a bad player at that point. With most players now, for you to start making a name for yourself at 23 is quite interesting because I don't think you get that much time then. You say that, but then he's he was obviously he was tipped at West Ham. It wasn't like he was an unknown. No, but I mean, so we've kind 20, of had an idea. 23 for you to start a properly establishing the yourself. Mid, I think I don't think it's. Well, that. he came through the academy as a striker and he hits a growth spurt and he he hits six one and they say he just can't move his body in the same <laughs> way he did run previously and so he then reverts back and all of the kind of scouting reports on him say slow, not very physical, not very agile, and he is sold on his reading of the game. He does read a game obviously very well. Watching back highlights, the the link up with Van Persie is horrible to watch, <laughs> to watch back. Pressure comes on. He's, it's, it's the fifth highest fee ever paid by United when they sign him. They start insisting he isn't here to replace Roy Keane while giving him Roy Keane's number and yeah. having him replace Roy Keane <laughs> in the side. Fifth highest. We're not mentioning fee at this point, all right? Yeah. 18.6 million. Which is a lot, I mean. A lot back in the, at that time. It's good it money. He had a very specific job but for those that play football manager or um, I guess if you listen to how Spanish pundits talk, a register is what we would uh, call Michael Carrick. 12-13, if I'm giving him the the four why he could be in the Hall of Fame, 12-13, he, he's one of the most influential in that squad. After Van Persie, he's probably near the most important in there. Um, he's basically the opposite to Roy Keane isn't he when he's brought in the team Keane is this combative all action yeah and whereas Carrick is calm composed you could say understated presence in the side or you could say he was invisible in some games on <laughs> just what some could say oh in that season we won the yeah. league he was invisible our centre midfielder Waterboy so his arrival does coincide with United re-establishing themselves as the best team in England. They've not won three of the previous titles. They've been split between Arsenal and Chelsea. He comes in and they secure a three-peat. Oh, just, just on Michael Carrick, was overrated. it? Overrated. Also, this is, I mean, if we, if we want to jump ahead to straight to negatives, doesn't win a title without Paul Scholes. In fact, they let Paul Scholes go, they lose the league, they have to bring him back to hold Michael Carrick's hand and then they win the league again. I I did think, is is Paul Scholes coming out of retirement in 2012? Is that a good sign for how your ball-playing midfielders go in? I don't know. Since passing statistics began to be recorded in 2003-2004, no player has completed more passes in a Premier League game for Man United than Carrick's 135 versus Palace in February 2014. So uh, the quotes about him are almost as unbearable as the Skulls quotes. <laughs> as a Has there ever been any better advertising for Rolls-Royce than midfield players being spoken about? Good centre-half as well. If you've <laughs> yeah. got a centre-half, you can play a bit. Benjamin yeah. White. He's a Rolls-Royce. 
Yeah, I think that was the first thought on all of mine. Not a centre. <laughs> Skulls said, "I like. There's nothing flashy about him. He never broke a sweat. What do I want from my midfielder personally? <laughs> he was a controller. This is tonight. Get off the seat. You can't be done. Just cruising Quite around the football break a pitch." Sweat. On the pitch, is it? It's normally <laughs> off the pitch. Hey, 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 hey. Careful. The club staff are breaking a sweat on that, not him. They do. They follow him on international duty. <laughs> Fergie having to defend you within your first season, saying you don't really need tacklers as much in the modern game. But the, his reading of the game would prevent that anyway. If you read the game, you don't have to make a tackle because you're making interceptions. But did anyone say that Gerard couldn't read a game well? And did they say you didn't need tacklers or was it because he was reading the game well and he was tackling? I mean, it wasn't Gerard's strong suit either, to be fair, but... He could kind of do a bit of everything that can do the difference. Yeah. yeah. That's what Carrick is being sold as, is it not? I don't believe so. I well, think it was more the breakup into the forward players, wasn't it, that he was known for his interceptions there defensively is, and then obviously getting on look, the ball. You, you seem to be breaking the Michael Carrick rule, which is... He's a world-class player until we compare him to other world-class players. And then, well, don't be harsh. That's not fair. <laughs> well, he's, he's biggest, well, he wasn't as good as Andrea Pirlo. Oh, well, hang on. That's, that's his biggest yeah. issue is that we're constantly told how good he was. United fans have ran that Busquets quote to death, by the way, which is incredibly disrespectful, where um, our boss said, you watch the game, you don't see Busquets. You watch Busquets, you see the whole game. And that's been attributed to Michael Carrick. Jesus. I see things, I see things saying, you know, if you had a Spanish passport, then maybe we'd view him differently. I would say he is probably the most like Busquets English midfielder we've ever had. Uh, I'm struggling to think of uh, one as a uh, comparison. But I I just think he is... I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as Busquets. This is it. My thing is, is that I think the gold standard for that type of midfielder is that you have Busquets, I think, not exactly the same, but Pirlo and then I think Peep Shab peak Xabi Alonso if you think that's at Madrid whatever fair enough then I would say those are the goals I just don't think Carrick got near those levels I think he was but then he's better I'm not saying he's Darren Fletcher I think he's good player (laughs) yeah alright picked up some medals but yeah I think he's somewhere in that gap in between and I think as a means of the fact he probably was I wouldn't say underrated, but maybe underappreciated during his career. As a means of trying to make up for that, a lot of United fans have kind of placed him in the sort of rarefied there that he doesn't really belong in. Well, they, they've mastered it in that if you don't think he's good, you don't understand football. It's how it's been shifted. 12-13 is what Fergie describes as maybe the best ever season by United midfielder. He says certainly it's Michael Carrick's best year. Yeah, every single midfield metric you can be judged on and there was a graphic that United fans used to pass around and it's Michael Carrick Michael Carrick and everything he's behind Mikel Arteta in every single one now I don't think Mikel Arteta should be in the Premier League Hall of Fame but he was below him in passes passes per 90 successful passes successful passes per 90 touches touches per 90 if we track back to when he's more athletic early in his career wasn't a better tackler than Mascherano, what was he a better tackler than Jolly with Mikel? He didn't score as much as Gareth Barry, and we weren't praising him on that earlier. Doesn't pass like Sesk. A good player, Harold for being an all-rounder or being very good at what he did do, and I don't think he was the best at what he was doing. I don't think he was all-round enough to be better than the other all-rounders that were playing in the league at the time. Good player, 
allowed the other United players to do what they were good at and had his hand held by Paul Scholes, who is another that. overrated Premier League midfielder. Yeah, I was about to say, but you think it's, he's... I just don't know how all these overrated average footballers won so many league titles. Hey, I mean, that's what I'm they had more financial backing than anyone else. They had the referees in their pocket. <laughs> all these overrated that, that average football players. Not Paul average. Scholes played 16 games in the 2012-13 season. So you're saying he held his hand. Carrick played 33, I think it was. Four scores played 16, and the majority of those... Shouldn't have to bring him back. Most of those are off the bench. Skulls goes... See out games. You don't win the league. Skulls comes comes back, you win the league. Skulls goes again. Skulls came back in January, I believe. Yeah. And ended up playing, like... I think it was like 480 minutes. Had to see your own city. If you get a new job... And the old guy has to come back halfway through. That's <laughs> yeah, not a good sign for you. If, yeah, if we're giving ten years later, <laughs> if I'm giving him credit for being maybe second most important in twelve thirteen, that two thousand and eight United side is a probably top three Premier League side I've ever seen. Where does he sit in terms of importance in that team? Well, he played. How many games did he play in that season? He played thirty two games in that season. Yeah, he's, but he's I mean, a centre midfielder one of the most important parts of the pitch. I mean, you're always going to look at your defenders. Skulls is in there as well. Was he more important to the team than Van der Sar? No. Rio? Vidic? Ronaldo? Rooney? No, but they're... Yeah, the, the attacking they, players they are carrying game. a fair bit of load there, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Your defenders are winning your games because they're not conceding goals and your attackers... You're always going to look at your defenders and attackers first. But it does seem to you're be a bit of a... Attackers first, then defenders. I, I appreciate What's he my, is definitely someone who sort of fits that stereotype of those things you don't see but I think the point he's making is like you've got sort of the standout world class players like Fernand Vidic obviously we know Ronaldo Rooney there's no debate on those so why are we debating it with Carrick and I think it's probably because because he wasn't on that same level I don't think he's a midfielder I don't think we're debating it if like Roy Keane was in there I don't think we'd have been having the conversation but I think there's something about Carrick where you just watch him and go is he on the same level as these other guys so was he a luxury player or not? No, he was an enabler for the other players around him. I but he was the one giving them the ball to enable them to then yeah, be yeah, creative yeah. on it. And that's just as important. If you, You've got to get someone who can give them the ball well, because otherwise there's no point having these Yeah, players. I mean, and we were a bit of a deteriorate inside the following year anyway. But when we lose Xabi Alonso, you do lose a lot of creativity because he's starting the moves from deep. So... Gerald and Torres aren't able to get on the ball further up the pitch I think like under, we had been able to. Underappreciated is probably the perfect word mm. for him. Yeah. Because but it, without him, you I think get in a, in a lot my thing with it is I think in that United team it's normally good enough that you could be I always said about Carrick, a B level midfielder and you can still have the success. I think he was a B level midfielder, which isn't supposed to be critical because C or D is going to be your average midfielder, so he's better than most. But I just think when you start talking about the top, top midfielders, I just think he does fall short. And I think that's the same with United in some games. And I think with England, I think he did get some chances. And when he did, you didn't watch a game and think, Carrick controlled this one. He dictated the pace of the game, which a lot of those best ones did. Someone like Pirlo or whatever could. He had athletically, obviously, wasn't going to run about the pitch, but he could control the game from that register role, as Luke would uh, spice it up and tell you. Name, people and I'm not saying- sure Carrick did that too many times people are saying he's, he's as close to Xavi as we've got in the league they're saying so many crazy things he's a good midfielder I mean I've said some of, some of that to, to try and wind you up a fantastic pass for the ball I said I watched 40 minutes of him just passing the ball around yesterday I was doing mm. other things but 
40 minutes of him passing the ball around. Unreal at doing that. I think a lot of the other midfielders that we're putting in this Hall of Fame conversation, they're either insane at scoring, assisting, their defensive abilities, or they're an unbelievable all-rounder. If you look at even the conversation we had about Gareth Barry, we're talking about him at Villa and you're being a guy who's running a midfield in there to the point where you're then getting that Liverpool move. Do you think he's better than Xabi Alonso? Carrot. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, I don't think he's better than Xabi Alonso so in Xabi's prime. So this is where, because then I don't think any of us are putting Xabi Alonso in the Premier League Hall of Fame. So then it just comes down to the achievements. No. And then when it comes to the achievements, then there's a lot of United players we could put in there. John O'Shea, West Brown. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, level. That's, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Is you're looking at what's he got? Five Premier League titles, five to Carrick. League yeah, that's that's pretty tough to argue with. But then you go, who who in this squad is along for the ride? I don't know if Carrick is along for the ride, but I don't know that he's the pivotal thing. I think that some people I think, think personally think somewhere in between. The spine of your team isn't along for the ride. They're the main part. And what you can do is you can rotate hmm. your extra midfielder. Often we obviously have Park or Darren Fletcher in there with Carrick and Scholes in 08. Your fullbacks, you had O'Shea, you had Wes Brown, you had Hines. Everett was there, wasn't he? Um, Owen Hargreaves played right back um, I- now and again. So, I, But I think, like I said, he was the enabler for to allow all these other players in front of you to express themselves. And I think that's... Jacques, uh, not Jacques, sorry, party for you this season. Getting the ball out to your wide players to let them express themselves, let them get on the ball, go past players without party giving them the ball. Could you, you uh, Martinelli and Saka may as well not be there? Could mm. Man United win games while Carrick was having a bad game? Yeah. And so, if you're the facilitator in that team, then I don't. It feels like I can allow him to have a bad game more than I can allow most players both at the front and back end of the pitch to do it there. If Scholes is having a bad game, then can Man United be as successful? Yeah, because I think there's enough good players in that Man United team at the time that would be able to pick up one or two players having a bad day. And that you could say that about any player. That could be Ronaldo, Rooney, Vidic, Ferdinand. Other way around, could you rely on Carrick to get you over the line in a game if several of those, several of those players were having a bad game? because I feel like a lot of the other midfielders that we're having in this conversation, I can rely on you when I need to, to get me over the line. He's not going to score you a goal, but he'll put someone else in a scoring position or, like I say, the pass before the assist. Or, like, I'm sure you've seen it, the amount of passes, I think there was one against Hull where he's just clipped one over, Van Persie's headed it, and I think, I can't remember who was in goal for Hull that day, probably Boaz Myhill, pulled off of a world he saved. But, just like, the little, little passes like that that, they don't lead to assist, but they could so easily be an assist. And I think they're probably being overlooked because his stats are relatively low. You can look at it two ways, TK. Are all of these people speaking so highly of Carrick because he deserves to be spoken so highly about? Or is it like protesting too much in some situations in that people are having cer- to make the case for him because I he's think not cer- showing you enough. It certainly comes off as that because especially how quickly sort of, you said about Fergie had to sort of rally around him or whatever. And because we've all seen it with our own teams where someone in the squad will say, you know what, actually, the key to our title win was actually Steve Finnan. Something like that. You get, The reason we won the Champions League is because of Diddy Hamann or something. And it's kind of, I always think for a manager or a player, 
you've kind of got to say someone we don't expect. If an Arsenal player comes out, do you know who's key for us? Thierry Henry. But, oh, thank you. You've educated us there. you kind of got to say something a little bit different. Benjamin White. And I think <laughs> and I think sometimes characters maybe benefit from that <laughs> some of the That's players. <laughs> I also think from the um, the fans' point of view, I always think if, uh, if a fan base is saying that their player is underrated or underappreciated, that's actually just an admission of guilt from them because you were supposed to be their cheerleader. And that means during their career, you probably didn't fully appreciate them yourself. Now, I think Brad probably did in the case of Michael Carrick. I think a lot of times it's obviously easy. You're going to get taken in by Rooney, Ronaldo, whatever. They're going to be the ones you give the praise to. And you're not going to during a Michael Carrick's career, probably during most of Skulls' career, because you'd have been getting perhaps to Beckham and Giggs and then into Rooney and Ronaldo York and Cole and so it's afterwards you don't be like oh my god actually this guy was shit out the whole time I think there's a small bit of it with Burkamp with Arsenal whereas I think quite easily you'd be distracted by Thierry Henry and I think afterwards you'd probably go oh we kind of parlayed Ian Wright into Thierry Henry and in, in between bridging that gap the whole time was Dennis Burkamp who was one of the Premier League's best players I think they did appreciate him but maybe didn't fully and so as a result, now when you have to say about underrated players, I do think there's sort of like a fan base is not necessarily consciously realising this, but sort of having to make up for lost time and make the case for their player because they were kind of a bit distracted by some of the more sexy players on their team. What is Gareth Barry doing in 2009 that Carrick isn't to have people talking about it more? What do you mean? What was it? I don't well, think... the fact that he was being linked with a move. Yeah, he's get he's getting. I know he's at United, um, Carrick, but like he's he's getting in around the England setup. He's like I think Gareth Barry is more combative, which is I think what they wanted in an England midfielder to be sat in there, someone who's going to break the play up with tackles and be a bit more aggressive. Whereas Carrick would have sat in there and probably been given the passes into Gerald and Lampard that I think we probably needed. Personally, I but. think Carrick's a better player. By the way, I just there's obviously something that it seems to be that if you don't think, and I think you've referenced it, if you don't think Carrick's tier one, then it means you think he's tier ten when it can be something yeah, slightly I just off think that. He's, yeah, I, I think they are they're similar players in the fact that they both kept the ball, but like I said, I think Carrick was a lot more progressive with it, where Barry was more keeping the ball. Oh yeah, I think I think Barry has a better passing range than we think. Yeah. I think if, if if you did stumble upon a Gareth Barry compilation, which would be I pretty tried. remarkable, yeah, um, I think you probably could sort of put it together. And that's maybe one of the things I would say is if you put insert very good midfielder into Carrick's role with United, do I think they would have been significantly worse off? I don't think they would. I don't think there would have been a huge drop off. Whereas I think with a lot of midfielders in this case, you go take out Busquets out of that Barca team struggle to find someone to put it in um, I don't know you know, Cruz or Modric or whatever in the, in the Madrid ones take them out you might struggle to replace I do think and in fairness it's it's a backhanded compliment to United because I think there was something about Fergie and about that squad the fact that he was able to create a team that was always strong enough that you could have someone like Anderson come in and have significant minutes and the team wouldn't be diminished and even there's something to be said about how good his management is and how able he was but that maybe is to the detriment of an individual player like Carrick where you go maybe I'm never going to give him the credit that maybe he might have got a different team because well, does he get, he's a sum of all the parts really yeah. does he get more or less prop now if he'd stayed at Spurs less he doesn't win any titles yeah yeah I, I do think would he have stood out more though he would have stood out more I don't know that he would have Who's- I think he might have done the same job 
but, but just for a team that's not winning. Yeah, so, we're, we're players, and you're never going to get the attention. We're players that aren't quite as that. good going forward, yeah. like yeah, Ronaldo yeah. and Rooney. Yeah, so that's where right. it's it's a slightly lucky gig if you can get it for him because I think he will always be that player, but just at whatever level he sort of finds himself. But the fact that United took a punt on him is, yeah. means he's, I think he's probably one of those where the better players he plays with, the more he raises his game to be at that level. But I think there's probably an argument then you can probably hide a little bit as well. Yeah. Is there probably a well, I think because there's such quality around you that you can get away with it a little bit more. Something we've we've maybe learnt more from watching football through the years is you can be a good player defensively without being a good tackler. And so a lot of Carrick's defensive game is him um being in the right position, him intercepting things, him closing things off, or at least being in a position to stop you going that way and moving the ball around in a certain way and that's why you needed the midfield players around him to I guess assume some of that defensive responsibility the reason of being in that reduced role is you are as you say deep line playmaker you're going to spray the ball around you're going to dictate the game from that position but you need the people around you to be astute enough now it just so happens he had Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic behind him and he had Paul Scholes, or even if Paul Scholes isn't there, some incredibly athletic midfielders around him, which are able to facilitate that. And so maybe we shouldn't hold it against him. It is just you've bought the perfect player for the perfect system and you've put the players around him to let him excel in what he does. It's just such an individual role that when we come to grading thousands of players, it's hard to then position you ahead of them when your skill set was so limited which feels disrespectful even saying that but if I then compare you to the others and we do it in the team format then there may be others in the team that deserves to be a more and if we do it in the individual format then if I start grading you on this and grading you on that then there's probably other players that deserve to be ahead of you so that's where I stand and I still don't know whether I think he should be in the Hall of Fame or not so yeah I think my against my only against for him was we often played like a 4-2-3-1 and that meant you'd have to play someone alongside him and you see the likes of Rodri now. He doesn't necessarily need someone alongside him. Yeah. City play stones in there because they know how strong they are defensively. They can put a right back, at, well, centre half, mm-hmm. or right back in there to play alongside him. But they don't need him in there. Rodri and Busquets are that good that they can play in there on their own. They're reading the game. So that would probably be my only against for Carrick is he often played with someone alongside him. And yeah, that's probably my my thing with him is that I don't necessarily disagree that when you do the thing, the Xavi or the Busquets stuff, that stylistically he might be the English player that replicates them the best. But if you're like really desperately, if you're like making a band and you're just trying to do like a bad Oasis suppression, then we're going to compare you to them. And if you're not as good as them, you are going to be sort of judged accordingly. And that's kind of my thing with him is, okay, even if stylistically, say Busquets would be the comp, you know, well, he's significantly worse than him. So as a result, I kind of, yeah, like I said, I, I sort of judge him in line with that. It brought some memories back when I look back. I do think his reputation was hampered somewhat in the same way that um, you'll remember from my Twitter at the time. Arteta fell off a cliff yeah, in yeah, his last years at United. If you go back and you read anything awesome. from the time, Carrick's latter years at United weren't pretty because if you take the athleticism he did have out of his game at this stage in a terrible United side under Moyes and Van Hal and so on it didn't make for pleasant viewing so that was probably gone against him somewhat and that 
it's fresh enough in our memory that there's maybe still something there. Obviously, that there wasn't a bad player in that 2008 United side. And I've said on here, not just in this conversation, it's perhaps the scariest team I've ever watched Arsenal go up against in terms of whether they want to beat you on the front foot or whether they want to hang off on the counter and just destroy you there. I, I think that Arsenal team wins if you just take United out of the league I think we can win multiple Premier Leagues with the side we had but unfortunately United were there and they didn't rest on their laurels they kept adding to it and getting stronger as for Carrick's position we'll go to you first TK is Michael Carrick in the Premier League Hall of Fame I'll get out in front of I don't want to put him in uh, I'll make that clear. But the rest of these, I've probably been really in, relatively indifferent on. I, I don't want to put Michael Carrick in, uh, but I probably just have to. I think starting the number, starting the number of games he does in a team that wins the league as often it does, I think probably sees you home. I think longevity for the sake of longevity, I don't think we should reward. But he's got longevity plus a level of success within that time period, so. I would just about get him in there. Brad? Yeah, I think the same for me. I think over 28 games, like I said, all five Premier League seasons that we won, um, with or without the help of Skulls. I mean, like I said, 16 games in that final season for Skulls. So, yeah, for me, for me, he goes in there. I do also think he'll be in there. I think it's pretty far down on my list. If you ask me him, David Silva, then we've got a discussion. I'll probably still put him in ahead of David Silva, to be fair. You don't yeah. rate David Silva. I think so. you have know, a lot of people in never David Silva. I think that's clear. Yeah. People need to show me what he was doing, honestly. <laughs> I think you're too far gone. I don't think there is anything we could show you. So, I mean, we'll get there eventually. Maybe I'll have to study some tape and look. It might be a revelation. 40 minutes that would be of David, a hell of a thing. 40 minutes of David Silva passing tomorrow, please, boy. So, have you got Carrot going in? I have. Um, I think he'd be the lowest down on the list that we've done so far. Him and Anelka is a Great shout as to who I'd put in first, to be fair. They've, as you say, playing a part in the five Premier League titles makes it an almost impossible task for us to make the argument for you to not be in it because there's United players like... I don't know, I don't know how many Ronaldo has, um, but there's players in that 2008 side that aren't there in 2012 and so on. And so for you to be in both of those plus more tough for me to keep you out so uh, unfortunately but you'll get in there just have a little asterisk you've on only it. got this because he played for the two teams you hate the most no because I <laughs> I, I think it, I think if he plays for I won't say Arsenal because obviously he'd definitely be in if he played for Arsenal but if he played for Liverpool because we all know you're a closet scouser I reckon I reckon you'd put him straight away the mental the mental thing is that Liverpool fans tell me I hate Liverpool. United fans <laughs> tell me I hate them. Chelsea fans tell me I hate them. That means I think you just people in the media good. will say that means you're doing your job right, Luke. Yeah. Um, we'll see which players we get to next time we do this. Um, I was impressed with his range of pass, and I'll give him that. But Spurs, Conspirable. I don't remember looking back and thinking Spurs have got one here. It's it's. A- it's feels well, I don't to, remember feeling like that with Modric. It feels mm, it feels a redundant point, but like yeah, I do think he could have as an alternate reality where he stays at Spurs, plays exactly the same exactly way. the same way as United. Doesn't get any of these Probably. trophies. Yeah, yeah. And are we having a conversation about him going to the Hall of Fame? We call Probably him Tom not. Huddleston. 
<laughs> we're having a, well, we're having a him versus Gareth Barry conversation, probably. Aren't we're having a Tom Huddleston with longevity. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. As I said, next week, Charmer back in the house. We'll be talking through the transfer business of the summer so far and the transfer business to come for the rest of the summer. Movie Madness this week is the female super bad in Booksmart. Tune in to Shutter Island from last week. See you on the next one. Adios.